0: Welcome to the Time Out with Josh Podcast. That's right. This is where you stay on your day in Time Out. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the Time Out with Josh Podcast. This one's gonna be a fun one. This one's gonna be a fun one today. That's for sure And to be perfectly honest with you it might go a little fucking long um, this one's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of depth to it ladies and gentlemen a lot of depth so before we get started If you want to sponsor our show help us keep on the air and uh doing this fucking shit that we're doing here Uh definitely shoot us a message on Instagram and uh let's let's do it. Let's team up, let's partner, let's do this thing. For those of you listening for the first time, this is the exact same uh name for this podcast as it is for um the uh Instagram. So time out with Josh. And if you get any guest ideas, definitely put them up there. So um, you know, so we can get some awesome guests on here and, and whatnot like that. So this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to dive into something that's going on right now in today's world. And this is, I'm going to be frankly honest with you. This is awesome news. I was talking to Alyssa last night and I didn't think, I didn't really think that this was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to come to fruition because following the case, there was just, it was, it was a small thread. I felt like it was a small thread that was, that was making a connection here and, and we're going to dive into it and we're going to talk about this, but we're going to talk about my experiences. We're going to talk about what's going on here and, and what is causing me to talk about this, um, this period. So first of all, Josh motherfucking piece of shit, Duggar, um, let's talk about this piece of shit. All right. First of all, I know the Duggar family. Um, I no longer know them very well, but I do know them. Um, I was raised in the same homeschool program that they were in, and let me preface this by saying, first of all, I was not raised the same way as their family. Okay, my parents were not crazy; they were not fucking psychotic. They didn't try to shelter us from the world. We participated in a lot of things out there. We they weren't they weren't. <sighs> they weren't ridiculous. They were not ridiculous. Okay. And I'm, I'm also going to say this because we're going to get into the IBLP ATIA stuff and the same homeschool program that they were in. My parents were in. That's how we know the Duggars. I, I know the Bates personally. I don't know them tight anymore, but the Bates family that hung out with them a lot. Um, I knew the father very well, the father and the mother very well. Um, at the, you know, back in the day, um, Gil Bates and I participated in, in things together and knew each other well, um, you know, well enough that, uh, for a long while I had his telephone number and we would actually talk to each other on the phone. But let's dive into Josh Duggar really quick. And this is our segue into the bullshit that is ATIA and IBLP. So first of all, Josh Duggar found fucking guilty on child pornography charges. Thank fucking God. Thank God. So the testimony that was brought up and things like that, um, hell yeah. I mean, this dude's looking at 20 plus years in prison on child pornography charges. If any of you guys know me well enough, you know that I am... I mean, huge advocate and huge supporter, uh, of people going after child sex traffickers and, and taking advantage of children and people that, that take advantage of children are pieces of shit. Josh Duggar has a fucking track record of messing around with people that are underage. All right. Pure and simple. He has a track record of it. This 33 year old dude has a track record of it, has seven kids of his own. They announced when all this started back in November, that this was uh, of last year, that this was going down. This is when he got arrested. Um, They announced that they're having their seventh child. Um, And and I don't, I don't understand why Anna stays with him. I don't, I don't from the outside. All right. Now coming from IBLP and ATIA, I understand that aspect because I've been a part of that. And I'm going to go into that and I'm going to explain why that makes sense. That part of it makes sense on their side. It makes no sense to the rest of this fucking world, but to them, it makes fucking sense. So this dude likes to diddle his sisters. They, the show gets canceled when he, when all the shit comes out, the Duggars, you know, 19 kids and counting show or whatever, gets canceled. When it comes out that, that, and he gets arrested the first time, right? That's what happens. It, or not arrested, but, um, gets accused of the Ashley Madison stuff. So the show gets canceled. Um, you know, taken off the air or whatever, because it comes out with Ashley Madison stuff, which then comes out that, um, he's assaulted his sisters and, and other people outside of, outside of, um, their family. Right. (coughs) So. Um, it, it, it's crazy that it took hours for them to, to convict him, but they did. Um, he was convicted and, and found guilty of downloading and possessing child pornography. And you know, the, the, the reports were that there was somebody that said that he downloaded the Linux software to make his computer more secure, all this other stuff. Now, the thing is that people are like, well, it was not on his phone. It's not here. It's not there. Dude, this guy is a fucking habitual person with this. He's, he's habitual. Um, he's habitual with, with, with his actions and he's gotten better and better each time with covering stuff up, right? Cause he's learning stuff. All right. He's found on Ashley Madison. That's not a crime. Um, is it wrong? Yeah, but he's found on Ashley Madison. Um, the per the perception of that family being perfect and being clean and pure and all this other bullshit that they per that they put out there, which they're guys that they're, they're far from that. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're way more conservative than, than a lot of people, um, you know, would normally be in life, but they're far from perfect. Okay. Nobody's perfect, but they're, they're way far away from what they, portray themselves to be. Just keep that in mind. So he's gotten better at he he has he has a situation when he's a child. Then he's sent to the pray the pray the gay away type camp. And I'm, we're going to go into the IBLP ATIA stuff. All right, we're going to go into that. But that's kind of their thing. Um, You know, we'll pray it away. We'll go through intense counseling. We'll do this. We'll do that. And we'll cover everything up so that you still look like a perfect family. Uh, we're going to we're going to pray the we're going to pray the sin away um we're going to pray it out of you and you'll never do it again it takes more than that motherfucker it takes more than that it takes intense counseling it takes a lot more than that and they they go about this and guys don't get me wrong i'm a christian and I'm all about prayer, but you can't sit there and say, you know what, we're going to sit here and we're going to pray it away from you. No bull fucking shit. That's some like Kenneth Copeland bullshit. All right. So he goes to that. He comes back. He, he has his, his rise to fame with his family and, and he gets all, you know, all up into some cool political shit and then boom, mic drop, he decides he's going to ruin it for his whole fucking family. And whether you like Jim Bob and, and his wife or or anybody of that family or not, Jim Bob and Michelle and their family suffered because of him, okay? They were put under a microscope, they were analyzed, they were scrutinized, and they were harassed because of this piece of shit's fucking actions, Okay. And him not thinking about his fucking family. So he goes out there. He does his shit. It's, you know, the questions are, are Anna, is Anna going to stay with him? His wife is, is she going to stay with him? And he's like, you know, and she's like, oh, well, I forgive him. (laughs) Whatever. Okay, cool. Whatever works for your relationship. Whatever fucking works. All right, dude. That's, that's not my problem. That's not your problem. That's, or that's, that's your problem. Not my problem. Okay. So she goes and she does that. She, she does her thing. And then they decide they're going to do a spinoff with two of the kids, with the daughters, um, that were assaulted um, by him at a young age. I guess to follow them around to see if they, you know, continue to have a normal life. Honestly, they make a lot of money. A lot of fucking money off of these shows, all right? And the family, I mean, let's be real. You had 23,000 kids. You need to make some money. Now, having said that, the family is not poor. They're not incredibly wealthy, but they are certainly not living paycheck to paycheck. They've got a nice house, they've got stuff, they've got investments, they've got companies, they have a car dealership, they have a bunch of stuff going on for them. Okay. So don't let the show fool you to thinking that their simple there's simple life is truly that simple. It's not. They, it, they can do a lot of shit and a lot of it is because of the TV show. They pay you a lot of money. TLC pays money out to people and, and they've been going on and on for years on this show. And there's a lot going on there, all right? There's a whole lot going on there. But if you look behind the scenes, At this family and you understand IBLP and ATIA, which we will get into with these types of families, you will understand that these are some of the most hypocritical, backstabbing, gossiping, fucking piece of shit human beings that you'll ever come across in your life. They are judgmental. They look down on people. They treat people lesser than themselves and they treat people like shit. This family is far from perfect. Okay. Far from fucking perfect. But... This is a great example of what's going on with this family. This is a great example of what you're experiencing firsthand on what these types of families cover up. And I'm going to go into my personal experiences being that our family was in it from almost the very get-go and start of ATIA or Advanced Training Institute of America. And my parents being incredibly heavily involved in Institute and Basic Life Principles, which was the start of IBLP or start of ATIA. All right. So Josh Duggar is convicted he is found guilty. He has seven kids. He has parents. He has, he has siblings that are all about to get fucking lambasted because of his bullshit, because of his stupidity. He uh, decides to affect 23 plus other people, direct siblings, and then children, grandchildren, siblings their spouses are now all thrust right back into the limelight because of him does he deserve what he's getting fuck yeah he deserves what he's getting he deserves every bit of what he's getting okay he deserves the 20 years in prison he deserves the approximate 250,000 per crime or per com- or per count that he could pay all right um, 19 Kids and Counting in in 2015, um, revealed that he had molested five girls between 2002 and 2003, and that's what led to the cancellation of the 19 Kids and Counting. And then U.S. Marshals arrest him on in April of 2021. Um, on the charges of receiving and possessing child pornography. In December, he has been convicted. And, and then, and then it goes even further that now, um, now, now it's, you know, he has a, he has another child and all this other stuff. Okay. So he, <sighs> he seriously has grown up in a, in a, in a place or in a family that for instance, like Jim Bob served two terms. In the uh, in the Arkansas House of Representatives, he's running again. By the way, he's served two terms. He's been active in conservative politics. He worked on the Republican presidential primary for Mike Huckabee in 2012, and all this stuff has come up. So all these other people are going to experience this this craziness. Um, this family has come under. Serious attack because of him. All right. So we're going to get away from Josh Duggar for a second uh, for the rest of this. And this may take a couple of podcasts to talk about. I'm going to try to get it all done in this one. This is, like I said, guys, this is going to be a lengthy podcast just because of the nature of the information. So, first of all, let's talk about IBLP. IBLP is the start. Institute and Basic Life Principles is the start to all of this stuff. Okay. It's the, it's the framework. Now, like I said, I'm going to give you my background really quick. Um, and then we're going to talk about I IBLP. We're going to talk about ATIA. We're going to talk about Bill Gothard and the stuff that's come up against him. We're going to talk about the cult like nature. If not, it is 100% a cult in my opinion, nature of this. Okay. And we're going to talk about my family's involvement. I want to, first of all, say, I want to make it very, very, very clear I truly believe that my parents wanted better for us. I truly believe that my parents wanted the best for our family. And I do not in any way believe whatsoever that my family, my parents made the decision to join ATIA, Advanced Training Institute of America, under the umbrella of IBLP, Institute of Basic Life Principles, as a cult. I do not believe in any way whatsoever that they said, we want to join a cult. I believe that they got into it. I believe that they used aspects of it. I believe that at times they may have gotten too far into it because of the nature of the people that are in the program. But I do not believe in any way whatsoever that my parents wanted to do us harm, wanted to do anyone else harm, or wanted to cause any issues by joining a quote-unquote cult. Because this, guys, is an under-the-radar bullshit cult. So let's talk about the Institute of in Basic Life Principles, or IBLP. It's a non-denominational Christian organization, okay? They claim to be non-denominational. That is the biggest bunch of bullshit on the face of the planet. They, they do not um, they do not like to have people of different denominations other than ultra conservative denominations in, within the community. Okay. So having said that, if you're Roman Catholic, they don't like you. If you are, um, if you're non truly like non-denominational, like praising Jesus in the church and clapping hands, they don't like you. If you are straight like Southern Baptist, old school Southern Baptist, they're about it. If you're Pentecostal, they're about it. If you're Lutheran, they frown on you, Um, but they don't hold it against you completely. They like it because it's super conservative, but it's not Catholic. So they're about it. If you're Amish, they're cool with it. If you're Mennonite, they're cool with it. So i.e., if you're an ultra conservative religious belief, they're about it. So this whole non-denominational Christian organization that serves as an umbrella for several ministries is fucking inaccurate. The only thing accurate about it is serves as an umbrella. It was established by a dude named Bill Gothard, all right? And and its purpose was to, and their, their stated purpose is to provide instruction on how to find success in life by following biblical principles. It is a nonprofit religious charitable organization defined by the IRS. They maintain a post office box in, in Oak Brook, Illinois, Um, the former headquarters was near Hinsdale, but their large facility where they're running everything out of right now is in big Sandy, Texas. I have spent a lot of time in big Sandy, Texas. I know about it. I know about the facilities. I could walk you around the facilities. It was a crazy thing. Hobby Lobby donated the property to them. Um, to help them as a, you know, like, Hey, we think you're a good thing. We want to donate to you. They donated this huge chunk of fucking property to them. At one point that property was a borderline cult. Um, if not full on cult college, like Christian college and it defunct and it was bought out and given to them. All right. So in 1961, um, there were these campus teams, all right? It was started out on college campuses and it was called Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts or IBYC. In 1974, the title changed to adopt what you now see that happened in 1989 as Institute in Basic Youth Conflict seminars were IBLP. So IBLP, Institute in Basic Life Principles, became Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts cover if you will like a a, an umbrella for it so then what happens is is then they start having these like big seminars right and during the 70s um and and then after that um because my my parents went to these and I remember going to them as a kid like when I say a kid I'm talking like six seven years old um because they had like the they had these things called um children's institutes So they'd have like, basically the seminar that was for the adults, they'd have it for the kids too. All right. So, and that had like 20, 30,000 people would go to this shit. So I remember the ones that would happen in Atlanta and they were hosted at the Omni, which is where the Atlanta Hawks would play basketball. And it was that big. And then they moved them over to the Georgia world Congress center and they were huge. Um, I mean, hell they were so big that in 2006, they were reported to have earned $63 million annually. Annually, guys, look at inflation. That's like $81 million last year, all right? So between 2009 and 2012, there was this steady decline of IBLP. They started losing money in assets and greatly decreasing the numbers of annual uh, seminars and conferences um, because they they became too big for their fucking britches. They became too big for their britches, And we're going to talk about this in just a second here. We're going to talk about the, the, the dissection of this and, and what led to that. But basically people started questioning the mindset of IBLP. Okay. They started questioning the mindset of IBLP and they started questioning what was going on with it. Um, there was the basic seminar, the advanced seminar, the anger resolution seminar, the financial freedom seminar and financial freedoms was taught by Jim Sammons, which I don't have the biggest problem with Jim Sammons, but I've met him and he's not, he's kind of an asshole. All right. The basic seminar, you had to attend the basic seminar. It's like 32 hours long, (coughs) usually held over like a six day period. And it was, it focuses on seven basic principles, life principles, design, authority, responsibility, suffering, ownership, freedom, and success. And they're designed to help the person view all of the life from God's perspective. Or let's rephrase that from Bill Gothard's fucking ridiculous perspective that he says is God's perspective. Now you can go back to the basic seminar as an alumni for free. Okay. Now the only way to go to the advanced seminar is that you've attended the basic seminar. The advanced seminar primarily focuses on areas of marriage, family, and finances. Okay. And then there's the anger resolution seminar, which was dealing with anger issues. Much of the material that was, was shown and stuff like that was basically from the basic seminar, but then compounded on. And it was just, advanced. Okay. But it it was presented in a way to resolve anger issues. Now you didn't have to go to the advanced seminar, or the basic seminar to do that. And then financial freedom seminar was a 16 hour video series that was taught on financial principles from the Bible, which is fine and dandy. I don't give a shit. Do what you want to do. Basic financial principles, whether it's from the Bible or not, are basic financial pr- principles. <coughs> now there were per- uh, prison ministries underneath it, um, underneath the IBLP, there's an educational program. Like I said, it was, um, in, uh, the advanced training Institute of international, um, or advanced training Institute of America. Um, and it was, it's a homeschooling curriculum, which is based on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, it's where Jesus taught. And then he had the loaves and fishes, you know, miracle, Um, There were other public services that were done. There's training centers, which we'll talk about training centers in a minute. And then the Telos Institute International, which is like a distance learning um, college, um, which ended up being defunct in 2019. Okay. So um, within that, within that you had Bill Gothard. All right. And the reason that you see this decline in 2009 to 2012, this major decline is because The exposure, exposure of Bill Gothard. Okay. And we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about what he taught and what he, what he said. Okay. There were allegations of sexual misconduct associated with IBLP. And then Gothard resigns in 2014. Now, Bill Gothard's an old motherfucker, right? The dude's, the dude's an old guy. It's not like he's some sort of like whippersnapper. So he's an old dude. He's been around for a long time. And, and it's the biggest thing is that the idea, um, the idea behind all of this comes from a dude that has never been married, that teaches what he's teaching based on no personal experience, except I'm going to teach out of the Bible. Now, keep in mind, guys, keep in mind. I know Bill Gothard personally. I have had meetings with him. I have sat and talked to him. He knows who my parents are. I mean, when I asked for a meeting with him, all I'd have to say is these are my parents. And he said, okay, that's all it took. This guy is almost 90 years old. He's like 87 years old. Um, and, and that, I'm telling you, the guy is the guy is delusional. I've met with him in person. He is fucking delusional and we're going to talk about that as well. So the philosophy behind IBLP and the philosophy behind ATIA, and this is what I want to go into. And then we're going to talk about my personal stuff. Adherence... In, additional, in addition to adherence to Bible and Christian ideals, the IBL, IBLP considers males, in particular the patriarchy of the family. So it's the old school 1940s kind of thing. All right, guys, I'm going to put in a dip because let's be real, I'm starting to get amped here and this is, this is getting serious. So I'm going to put a dip in. Fucking thank you, Copenhagen, Wintergreen, Long Cut, not sponsored by them, for making my life calmer. All right, we're back at it. Because they see males as a patriarch of the family, females are expected to obey obey men in every way. Hmm. Looks kind of funny when you're talking about Josh fucking Duggar, right? And this includes in the home, school, workplace, marriage. Women are raised to learn how to become a good wife, a mother, and to reproduce. To reproduce and there and and the man is chosen by the father to be their husband all right and when i say that what they go by this like 19th century idea of courtship okay you have to go to the father and say to the father i would like to court your daughter when you say i want to court your daughter it's not dating it ain't dating guys it is when you say i want to court your daughter you can translate that into I would like to have babies with your daughter, and my intention is to get married to her within probably three to six months so that we do not have any temptation to do anything outside of marriage, even though I don't physically know what my penis is for and how to use it except to take a piss, and it's probably against some sort of biblical fucking principle to hold my own goddamn dick while I'm standing at the toilet. That's how bad it is. That's the problem with this fucking organization, ladies and gentlemen, that is a fucking problem because it is this old school mindset that the father picks out the, the, the suitor. Now keep in mind, my sister, who is a very wonderful human being, and I love her to death told guys, (coughs) excuse me, you need to go talk to my father about dating me. If you want to date me, notice what I said there. Notice I use the word date because that's the way she did it. She's more conservative. She wanted him to have a relationship with my dad. That's fine. I didn't do that. I didn't go to anyone and say, hey, I want to date your daughter. That's not me. That's not the way I work, but that's the way that happened there. My brother did the same with his wife and I love my brother to death. That's what they chose to do, but it was dating. Both of them got into relationships with the idea that it was going to be something down the road, it wasn't going to be just simply, hey, let's fuck around and see what happens. I did more of the let's fuck around and see what happens dating thing traditionally, they did not. And that's on them. That's perfectly fine. Okay. Meeting Alyssa, it was like when I got into a relationship with Alyssa, it was I'm not getting a relationship with somebody just to fucking have a relationship. I'm getting into a relationship because I want something for my future. That's what I did with her. Okay. But that's the way they, that's the way they do this. All right. Now women are not allowed to date or even flirt. You can't date or flirt because doing that, it's like being a whore. They're raised knowing that their husband will be chosen for them by their father and that any flirtations are futile. A simple wink can be lustful and lead to whoredom and could, and at, And and makeup, perfume, nail polish, heels are all included in that list. Now, keep in mind, as time went on, guys, as time went on, they got a little bit looser with some of that. But perfume was a no-go. Perfume was a hard no-go. Like, I'm not joking, folks. I'm not fucking joking. I got called out one time because they said that my deodorant had too strong of a smell to it. My motherfucking deodorant smelled too strong. I'm a dude the fuck like nail polish. Like you can have clear nails. You can have clear nails Could protect them, but you couldn't have heels. Like I saw girls get in trouble because their heel on their flats, like they wanted to wear a, they wanted to wear a shoe that had this clunky ass heel. Right. I don't understand women's shoes half the time. I know there's heels and there's flats. That's all I know. But they wanted to wear this clunky-ass shoe and it was just a little too much. And these women were getting like, and I say women because we're we're talking about women now. We're not talking about girls then. These are 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old girls getting called into offices with a mother and a father who ran a training center or were a part of a... Um, a, a children's Institute um, where these where these young people were teaching and were called out and berated and belittled because they had a fucking heel that was a quarter of an inch too tall it is disgusting. Women are also discouraged from attaining a higher education. Now when I say that when I say that I want you guys to listen to me really quick. yes, they had Telos. Yes they had you know advanced learning and stuff like that. That came after the fact they morphed into doing that. And the reason for that is they finally fucking realized that a mom can't stay at home all the time. Okay. That until they have kids, they should be able to work and do their thing. But as soon as you have kids, that woman's supposed to stay at home. It is frowned upon. If a woman works, she should be at home. It is extremely frowned upon and still is to this day that they should not be in the fucking workplace. And why would you go get a higher education and waste some money on a higher education if you're not going to use it anyway? So, i.e. be stupid, okay? That's kind of what they're saying. Women are also, or couples are matched after a complex courtship overseen by both sets of parents. And if you guys are watching 19 Kids Accounting, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. They go on double dates with their parents. That's fucking weird. That's fucking weird. That's some West Virginia, Hills Country, Alabama backwoods cousin fucking bullshit. That's weird. Or they send a sibling so that they make sure they babysit these people and they they want the kids to do something right. They want to do right, right? They're like go about this this way. Go about this this way. Do do this. Do do this the right way. Be holy. Be pure. We've raised you to be pure. We've raised you to be holy. We've raised you to do all those things. But now we're going to send a sibling with you to babysit your fucking relationship. And if you're the firstborn, can you imagine having a sibling that's like four, five, six years younger than you going on a date with you? Oh, wait, they're not dates. They're not dates. Because that's dating. Going on an event, going on an activity with you. You can't be in a room by yourself. If you're eating dinner, your sibling's got to be sitting there. What kind of fucking conversation are you going to be able to have with this person to understand who they are as a person if your sibling is sitting right there? Where's the sanctity of a dating relationship or a courtship relationship or a marriage when you get a sibling that knows everything about what you guys talked about when you guys first started talking? You cannot, cannot, cannot text each other, message each other or anything like that without your parents being able to see what you're messaging to each other. You can't write notes without your parents looking at what's being written. That's what they teach. Now, did families do that? Yes, no. Did my parents do that at first? Yeah, they did. When I was living in the house, yeah, they did. Did they do that with my siblings? I don't think so. But that's the ridiculous double standard bullshit of it. It is a fucking, it, it, it is a nightmare, guys. It is a fucking nightmare. Media is not allowed in the home. All right. If you, when my family first joined IBLP or ATIA and, and wanted to join ATIA, you had to go through a screening process. If you had a beard, you're out. Unless it was like if you were Amish and had to have it for religious reasons or Mennonite and you had to have it for religious reasons. Now keep in mind, the Amish were not heavily involved in in ATIA because of media and things like that. But the New Order Amish were, and then Mennonites were. And they had them, and they were given that exemption. But otherwise, no beards. Why? Because it was seen as a covering of your quote unquote, and I use this word, countenance. That was their word. If you have a beard, you're covering something up. I'm like, wait, the guy that you're preaching about and talking about, Jesus Christ and everybody in the motherfucking Bible, they have beards. So you're telling me I can't have a beard, but Jesus can? What the fuck? double standard. Like, are you kidding me? Movies. You couldn't watch movies. You could watch Christian movies. Like that was their thing. They would ask you, what movies did you watch? Do you own a television? Do you have a television in the house? Yet they would send you videos. And it's like, how the fuck am I supposed to watch this on a VHS tape if I don't have a TV? Nope. You can only use it for educational purposes. You can't listen to most music. Most music was not, a, was not allowed. Now, keep in mind, when I was a child, the internet did not exist. So the internet, as it came about, the internet was a no-go. And then they said, oh, wait, you can have the internet, but you should put all these like major controls on it. And look, guys, if you have kids, yeah, put parental controls on your internet. Be responsible about it. But their whole thing about the internet is that it was evil. Non-contemporary Christian music was an exception to music, okay? So you could listen to like acapella. You could listen to music that didn't have drums. They, that was a huge thing. Drums are of the devil. Drums are, are bad because they play on the downbeat. I'm not shitting you guys. That's exactly what was taught. I was in it. I can tell you drums are not supposed to be used. No alcohol, zero and no dancing period. No dancing, no alcohol. Are you guys, are you guys kind of getting the sense that we're living in some sort of like this, this, this looks a lot like the Branch Davidian? Are, Are any of you guys feeling that? Women are expected clothing. Let's talk about clothing. Women are expected to wear ankle length dresses and never cut their hair. Or if they cut their hair, it should be long, short hair, On a woman, anything above the shoulder was extremely frowned upon. And I know girls that got talked to about this, about their short hair. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? Fucking grow it in the next four seconds? What the hell is wrong with you? So it was supposed to be, basically it was supposed to be kept. You couldn't style it anything other than basic, basic, basic styles. Let's say for instance, you were a female and you had your hair and it was like longer, right? It was, you know, mid chest length. But you styled it, say, in the 90s era, the way uh, Rachel from Friends, Jennifer Aniston, styled her hair. That right there, no. You were talked to. I've been a part of these conversations, guys, and I'll explain how that happened. You could not have writing on your clothing. Like, if you had a Nike swoosh, if you were a guy and you had a Nike swoosh or a female and had a Nike swoosh on your clothes, they loosened up on this somewhat. They did. But if you had that, oh man, they would come at you. That was of the world. That was worldly. Those were words that you used. Countenance. Worldly was a huge thing. It was worldly. Because that brought attention to the body and away from the face. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Guys are supposed to wear dark suits, white dress shirts, um, blue jeans. Jeans? Ungodly. Blue jeans were ungodly. And guys... It, <laughs> This is the even worse part because this was asked. This was asked. And as far as I know, up until recent times was asked if you were uncircumcised. If you were uncircumcised, you were unpure. I'm like, wow. Wow. Yet we don't talk about sex. We're going to talk about your dick, but we're not going to talk about sex. Children are homeschooled and it was to protect them from the world, not to provide a better education, not to provide what you thought would be a better education. My parents started homeschooling me because they looked at the education systems that were around where we lived and they felt like they could do a better job. That was the reason why my parents homeschooled me. And my parents are highly educated individuals and that's why they homeschooled us we were involved in church activities. We were involved in sports. We were involved in music. We were involved in a lot of things. I traveled with my parents all the time. We traveled all over the country. I traveled all over the world. And some of it was with IBLP. My parents were not this strict. Okay. I keep going back to that and saying that, but I want that to be said. Sexual education is never taught by the way. So remember what I was saying? Like, Hey, I, I feel like, holding my dick while I'm taking a piss is wrong or wiping myself. If I'm a female is wrong because that could be considered arousal. Like guys, that's how ridiculous they were. They, I mean, they were that you had to be careful about the way you did those things because if you did and it was arousal, it's bad. They didn't talk about sex at. You don't understand sexual anything. At all. And this is why, if you talk to anybody else, and there's people on TikTok, there's people out there that have blogs and vlogs about this. And now I'm talking about this and I'm talking about this because this is all brought up by Josh Duggar and his conviction. People struggled my age, younger, a few that are older, but mostly my generation and a little bit younger struggle with relationships outside. Of IBLP and ATIA because of this. Because of this. The ones that stayed in the program, like the Duggars that stayed in the program, and people like that, have a piss poor fucking idea of what a real relationship should be. And I'm going to say it. And if you're in that and you wanna come at me, come at me, bro. Come the fuck at me. And let's talk about what real relationships should be like. Because I'm telling you, A solid majority, 90 plus percent, have no idea what it should be like. And you struggle with them. I am one of those that struggled with the idea of what a relationship should look like because I had very, very convoluted, very fucked up ideas of what a relationship should be. And I struggled through that a lot. From the time I was 21 until approximately six to seven years ago, I struggled with that heavily because I had no solid foundation on what a relationship should be. And I have relationships that struggle because of that. You read the Bible daily and you're expected to spend time meditating in the Bible daily, which if you do that on your own, that's fine. But these people are teaching that it has to happen. Shouldn't you do that on your own? And because you want to? If you're Muslim and you study the Quran, shouldn't you do that because you want to? If you're Buddhist and you study the teachings of Buddha, shouldn't you do that because you want to? If you're Christian and you study the Bible, shouldn't you study it because you want to? Not because some fucking organization is sitting there saying, you have to do this, otherwise you aren't good enough. If you don't obey what God says and or the rules of your father, bad things are going to happen to you. And I'm not joking you guys, they talk about it all the way down to getting a fucking common cold. So if you were around, if you were allowed to be out and around all these people and enjoy spending time with your friends and you got a cold because somebody else had a snotty nose and wasn't like keeping themselves healthy, You must have done something wrong. And then we get to the part where it affects Josh Duggar and so many others. If you do something wrong, the the consequences of doing something wrong in IBLP is scoldings, intense counseling, demotions, time in, I am not shitting you guys, I'm not shitting you, time in a locked room where you couldn't come out It was locked from the outside. And I witnessed it. I've seen it. I've been there. It happened in Indianapolis at the training center in Indianapolis. I was there. I worked security there. I can attest to it happening. There were, there were, I think three or four floors of people that they did this to in an old hotel that was purchased by IBLP and used by IBLP. Or even worse, your family was kicked out of the program. That's what happened. Now, let's, let's go into it a little bit further and then we'll go into my experiences. A number of former um, people that were in the IBL program and in the circles called a cult, like myself. <clears throat> the um, there, There's been people that have come out against it, like the Midwest Christian Church, uh, Midwest Christian Outreach Program. Uh, Don, um, I think it's Don Viot or Vinat or something like that. Why not? Um, the ha, has come out specifically against Bill Gothard, who was a very charismatic, easy to get along with person. When I tell you you talk to Bill Gothard, he will disarm you. The guy's a narcissist. The guy's a narcissist. He will disarm you. I promise you he will. You'll go in screaming angry and come out hugging him and going, "I'm so sorry." because the way he communicates, he knows what he's doing, but he's charismatic. He's easy to get along with and he's not charismatic. Like charismatic as in like a, one of these like big high end, like Creflo dollar type preachers or anything like that. I'm not talking about that charismatic. I'm talking like very quietly, gently charismatic. He was authoritarian and he isolated members and with the severe punishments and everything like that and demand for absolute blind loyalty makes it like a cult. All right. It does it, in, in, IBLP, because it is in support of traditional Christian doctrines, keeps the word cult off of it. Yes, it is their own teachings, but we're talking about something that's widely accepted across multiple walks of the Christian faith. Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian, so on and so forth. So you can't call it a cult. Truly, by definition... You can't call it a cult because it adheres to biblical principles, right? But let's go all the way back to the eighties. Let's go back to the eighties for a second. That's when IBLP as a whole faced its first, first major sex scandal. And Bill Gothard has a brother named Steve Gothard, and he resigned from the program from being like a head in the program After it was found that he had multiple sexual affairs with several uh, secretaries of the institute. And when I say several secretaries of the institute, I do not know their ages. But most of the people working for the program, most, were under the age of 30 years old. And a lot of them were teenagers, as was I when I volunteered and I worked for the program. Okay, In 2014, Bill himself resigns as the president of IBLP. After there's reports that he sexually harassed multiple women and failed to report allegations of child abuse within the organization itself, which is the very thing that they taught. They didn't specifically say there should be child abuse, but they were all about spare the rod, you know, spoil the child. You don't punish the child with corporal capital punishment and your child ends up to be a piece of shit. All right. That's the way they looked at it. Now, some of these stories came up on a website called Recovering Grace. I'm very familiar with the website. The website Recovering Grace is a website in a Christian ministry that functions as a support group for former students and members of IBLP. And an investigation into the allegations by IBLP, by self investigations, concluded that. Bill Gothard acted inappropriately, but not criminally. Yeah, of course. You're not going to say that your founder was a piece of shit if you do it internal. Now, in October of 2015, a civil lawsuit alleging or alleging sex abuse and a cover-up involving several minors was filed in Page County in Illinois against IBLP and its board of directors. It was the Gretchen Wilkinson versus um, Institute of Basic Life Principles and Bill Gothard, or William W. Gothard Jr. His father was senior. And it was brought on behalf of five female plaintiffs, one of which I do know, and we're going to talk about her in a minute. I, I know who she is, and I was, I was a part of doing things with her. In order to seek the redresses and damages for personal injuries based on negligence and willful and wanton acts and omissions of defendants in regard to sexual abuse and sexual harassment and similar allegations of malfeasance suffered by the plaintiffs. That was what it was brought upon. Besides monetary damage, they they had they have asked that they bar IBLP leaders from alleged plans to liquidate resources and estimates over 100 million dollars now the facility that they had in Hinsdale has since gone empty all right and now IBLP does not say that they're that they're based out of Big Sandy Texas but that's where they've moved to okay and they were closing the headquarters and record locating the Texas is what the claim was in the, in the lawsuit in, in 2015. Now they have since moved. Like I said, to Texas, they have closed that facility. I, as far as I know, it still remains in the possession of IBLP. They have not been able to sell it because in 2016, in January and February, more accusers came forward. I think it was five of them came forward bringing the total of complaints to 16 women and two men. Then the case was voluntarily dismissed in 2018 because IBLP was dragging it out. All right. So that's the history of IBLP. Now, the Advanced Training Institute of America, I'm going to go to their actual website um, and I'm going to also pull up the Chicago Magazine's um, article. And you can pull up the Chicago, go to um, chicagomag.com or search Chicago Mag um, or Chicago magazine, um, article, the cult next door. All right. And, and if you, if you were to drive by this building, um, and the facility is, is surrounding this building, well, kind of surrounding it's behind the building, there's homes and other, other buildings and things like that. Um, it looks like just a regular, like, headquarters for, I don't know, just like maybe a small bank or something. It's nothing, nothing in particular. It kind of looks like this Southern colonial looking building. It's red brick. It has like the colonnades out in front of it. And it, and it sits right behind this like grassy hill, grassy knoll, um, in Hinsdale. You can find it. It's pretty easy to find. Um, it, it was unmarked it, it, it had no markings on it. it. Didn't stand out and say, "We are the headquarters of ATIA and IBLP." You kind of have to know that it was here. Um, But it is 223 acres large. It is huge, and it's it's old. Um, but if you guys know anything about Hinsdale, Hinsdale is a very very ext- expensive place, um, and and it's it's extremely valuable. Um, while I was there and I've been there several times, you would see, you know, people walking around out there, the girls in their ankle length skirts, walking around arm in arm and, and talking to each other and sitting in groups and never a guy around them, you know, as girls together, guys together, you'd see them wearing, you know, scarves and, and, you know, neckerchiefs and things like that. And the guys are dressed in their suits and it just, seriously, it, it looks like you're, it looks like you took a step way back in time to some sort of weird, um, leave it to Beaverish kind of thing. All right. And everyone thought that it was kind of weird. Everyone around there thought it was kind of secretive. If you read the article, they talk about that and you kind of feel that way. You kind of feel like you're shut off from the world. You really do. Okay. Um, and some of these in, in 2014, like I said, some of these girls that worked there in particular, which is where Bill Gothard spent a lot of his time, most of his time accused them of that. Um, and, and accused them of the sexual assault and everything like that. Um, but it was kept extremely quiet. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to get mad at a group of people that aren't doing anything to you. It's just quiet. Very quiet. Very, very secluded. Very off, off the, off the, you know, beaten path kind of place. Um. And then you had the Duggars come up, okay? And then the Duggars are like the face family, if you will. The Duggars and the Bates are like the face family of IBLP, When all this shit starts to go sideways, they want to show like, hey, look, we're good. Um, You know, this huge interest in what was going on in Hinsdale happened after that, after that, that case or, you know, was kind of brought to light. And then they were like, oh, well, we're going to put these people in the front. I'm very sure that the Duggars were approached at the behest of IBLP, kind of pushing it out there to TLC to kind of cover some shit up. And I think a lot of people thought that they didn't even know, or a lot of people did not have an idea of what was going on inside of that facility. And keep in mind, there's a facility in Oklahoma City. There was one in Texas. There's one in Arkansas. There's one in Indianapolis. Um, Those were like their main buildings and those main places that they did stuff. They had a women's seminar in Oklahoma City. They had the young men's seminar seminar. And in Indianapolis, um, again, I attended those, um, they had alert and we'll talk about alert here in just a minute, um, which is the air land emergency resource team. That's what they refer to themselves as, which is like paramilitary without weapons. Um, that was done in big Sandy, Texas. And then they had these seminars that went on all over the United States. And as they started not having the money to conduct the seminars in big facilities, they started doing it in large churches or churches that were willing to host them, as well as at their training seminar at their training facilities themselves. Okay, um, you unless you came across these people, unless you came across in a grocery store or something like that, unless you came across these people that were in the program, you would not really think anything above it or about it. All right. Um, Then on, on IBLP's website, they describe themselves as dedicated to giving individual families, churches and schools, communities, governments, and businesses clear instructions on how to find success by following God's principles found in scripture. The group pushes that authoritarian patriarchal theology, like I said before, and It's at the behest of Gothard. All right. Gothard is the one that's pushing this and guys it grew like they had the main, the main homeschool once a year homeschool meetup was at university of Tennessee. And if you went to university of Tennessee, you may or may not have seen it because it was done in the summertime when the university was, was closed, if you will, um, to education. It was during summer break and it was held at that time and we would take over the whole fucking campus seminars would be held and breakout groups and stuff like that would be held at their various, um, their various facilities. The main meetings would happen inside of their basketball arena, um, all the way out to where the world's world's fair was held. Things would be done there. Um, and they would have the children's seminars and they'd have the adult seminars and it was just, you know, there were singing, there were seminars, there were intense seminars about various things in life that were taught by various people within the organization and things like that. Now, keep in mind, they have received high profile, high profile conservative people that have come in support of them. And those include people like Mike Huckabee, Sarah Palin, Rick Perry, like big political figures. Now, the people that were abused happened at its peak in the nineties and early two thousands. That's when I was heavily involved in it as a young person. Um, and there were two to 300 people that were living at this Hinsdale location at the various, um, training facilities. There were a hundred plus and, and many times several thousand and they'd have like these training programs for like a thing called chalk art, Um, for young men's counseling seminar, for young women's counseling seminar, for um, the men's, um, you know, courses, the women's courses, um, for uh, music, for cooking, for all sorts of different things. They'd have these like week long, month long, multi-month long um, programs to train you to do things. And all of that happened at these various facilities. Each facility had their own kind of thing that they did. I participated in some of these, and we'll talk about them. And that's how that's how I met Gil Bates um was through chalk art and doing stuff with him and participated in things directly in contact with Bill Gothard and several other people. Um but Bill basically was accused of. As or, or listed as the boss, the landlord, the controller of everything that happened at those places. And he had people, he had families that would um, run those facilities, people that he himself trusted that were not good people. I had interactions with them. I will not mention some names because their families, um, you know, have lost their parents and I had interactions with the parents and I won't mention it because I don't believe that the sons and daughters of these people deserve the criticism of, you know, from what their parents did. But you, if you look at it, it's a cult. It's a cult. Um, you know, we joked about it as kids, but it was guys, They had a computer program that was set up for IBLP students, myself, not criminals, not fucking nefarious people of the community. For the people within the program, they had a red, green, or yellow light program that was set up that if they saw you as a green light or a yellow light or a red light, i.e. green, you were the poster child of IBLP ATIA. If you were that, you were a green light. If you were, uh, I don't know, misbehaving. We'll use that word, misbehaving. You had heels, something with a platform on it. You wore the wrong clothing. You maybe had... An incident where you were out after curfew. For some reason. You were out of your room after curfew. You were put as a yellow light. If you were rebellious. That was a word that they loved to use. Rebellious. I.e. you questioned authority. Yeah. Questioning authority. Like in their way. Appealing. They call it appealing. Questioning authority. They would put you on the red light. You were wrong. You were bad. And the thing is, is within that rise to power, Bill Gothard loved it. You could tell that he loved it. You could tell that the people around him loved it. You could tell that the families loved it. And I will talk to you about that again, like I said. So what happens is, is in that rise of power, Bill Gothard comes from Hinsdale. He's an Illinois guy. And his dad sat on the board of directors for Gideon's International, which, as far as I know, still exists in Illinois, and it's it's the people that put the Bibles in hotel rooms. I mean, you guys know all them, right? So you open up a hotel room drawer and you see a Gideon Bible. That's what they are. Um, he is uh, the third of six children, um, and by the time he reached a teen, he was as a teen he was deeply religious in. What I experienced and what he talked about is he said his first experience with impurity, quote unquote impurity, was when he went up to one of those little um, pop-up like movie things or whatever. You could throw a quarter or a nickel or a dime in it or whatever it was. And you could put your face in the... I can't remember what they're called right now. I'm drawing a fucking blank. But you put your face in the the little box and you'd see um, a burlesque type show or something of that nature. Right. And that was his experience. Oh my God, that changed his life. His life was ruined at that point And he had to do all this repenting and everything like that at that point. But seeing that, that was what he said was one of his big introductions into the world and why he didn't want people being worldly. Okay. But he became deeply religious. And according to the bio on the website, which you can read. And according to him and me talking to him and him talking at these conferences, he began work with the inner city gangs of Chicago and families in crisis to help them make quote unquote wise choices or what I believe Bill Gothard choices, right? In 1961, he, um, went to Wheaton college he was in Wheaton college and he started to develop the IBLP program in Wheaton college. All right, he, he called it campus teams, like I said. And then he was in LaGrange, uh, Illinois at the point at that time, and he was running it out of his home. And this was to resolve conflicts between teens and their families, i.e., teens, you need to listen to your parents no matter what. Okay. Like I said, in 74, he changed it to I, uh, IBYC, which is the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts. And then started in 89, he started the Institute in Basic Life Principles. And then it was all about purity culture, a marriage, you know, marriage uh, women, children, medicine, weighted, to fix the nation, et cetera, et cetera. This highfalutin 18th, 19th century application of life to the 21st century. Um, and, and what you need to teach children and how you need to treat them and, and how they should dress and how they should style their hair and things to avoid attraction i.e. be bland um, etc. all right? And then what happened is and we get to the ATIA and we're, we're going to talk about ATIA in depth, but they had 54 wisdom booklets, okay? So basically it would cover you you do one wisdom booklet a week and it was like their the homeschooling curriculum. That's what it was. And there was de- there was geography, math, science, law, government, um, and then his interpretation of biblical patches, passages. This is where I say it becomes cult, right? Because it was his interpretation. it was how you were supposed to see it. And within these booklets, there were white and blue and black. Um and the blue writing was like this like weird like royal blue. That's what it was, it was royal blue. Um, which is oddly funny because the suits were supposed to be navy blue. Um, if you wore black, it was weird. If you had pinstripes on your suit, you were sinful. You were trying to draw attention to yourself. Um, like literally you had to wear like plain clothes, like plain, plain, plain clothes. Right. And you would go through it. And yes, it did teach geography. Most of it was biblical geography. It did teach math, um, which you can't make biblical math, but math is math, but they would tie it back to the Bible somehow. Um, science yet. We're not going to talk about sex education. They would talk about law, which is ironic because it's like, wait, how am I supposed to, it was biblical principles of law. And it was like, okay, if you follow under the biblical principles of law, really the Bible talks about law, but the most it talks about law and the strongest it talks about law is render under Caesar. What is Caesar render under God's, what is God's, but they would, they would, you know, they'd, they'd make it, they'd make it extra. Um, They they would, they'd overanalyze it. So, within the program itself, like I said, talking about those aspects, that's how they did their, their program. And it was not inexpensive. It was a very, very expensive program to be involved in at its base level. Right. And then, um, you know, if you were a student and you did not participate in the extracurricular things, going to a training seminar, um, and, and teaching at the children's institutes, which we'll talk about that in a second, teaching at the children's institutes or, or participating in programs and things like that. It was, it was frowned upon. And then within the judgmental condescending levels, um, if you didn't do it or weren't able to do it, then um, you were seen as lesser of a person, right? So that's, that's what that was. Virtually all of their teachings were viewed through the prism of, of male superiority and female obedience. That is the idea that was the whole concept behind their program. So again, going back to this, you're basically less of a person, right? That's, that's the thing. And the husband is the undisputed leader of the family and his word is final. If the, if it came down to a disagreement or argument or, or a difference of philosophy, woman, sit down. I am man. I decide that's the way it was. Uh, women defer to men in almost every circumstance on almost every level, including the workplace. That's the way it was supposed to be. If you were outside of the home, um, women primarily exist for the purpose of procreation, caring for the man, rearing the child. That's what it was. And if you watch the Duggar family, you'll see that dynamic. You'll see it right you don't see the men in the kitchen cooking. You don't see the men doing anything like that. It was the women that were cleaning and cooking and doing all that kind of stuff. And when I say that, it was all the way down to the children, right? Um, females are, are discouraged from attaining higher education of any kind because the sole purpose is to marry a man Um, within the movement of IBLP, it was strongly encouraged to do that. And when I say strongly, I mean, it was put on them to do that. That's what you were supposed to do. You weren't supposed to marry outside of, or talk to, or court anyone outside of IBLP. We're going to keep this going here, guys. Sorry about that. I had to open up a, uh, I had to open up a ZOA, um, again, not sponsored by ZOA, but damn, is that a good fucking beverage? I'm going to keep our energy levels up here. Keep my mind clear. Um, so that we keep this going. I digress. Um, but basically the whole idea was that, um, you were supposed to marry within that, within that dynamic. If you didn't, oh my God, you were, guess what? Word of the day, rebellious. Um, the moral code within the, I, within the, the IBLP thing was so ridiculous. It was insane. All right. It, it pure, it, fucking insanity okay um and and bizarre like cabbage patch kids are idolatrous idolatrous cabbage patch kids look i'm from georgia i'm from where those are from i don't know why they're idolatrous can't fucking figure out for this day why they're idolatrous syncopated music offbeat music I I guys I hate the word syncopated like people hate the word moist because fucking syncopated was syncopated music was used by people within the organization including my parents as evil music. It's the antithesis of what God desired for the life of a Christian. That's the way to look at it. Blue jeans are ungodly. Circumcised men are are morally. Pure than uncircumcised men morally. I don't know how fucking cutting some skin on your dick is more morally pure. Like, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Like, there's scientific shit behind the argument to both sides of it, and I don't know why they decided to get involved in it yet. Yeah, but, but remember again, we can't talk about sex ed. In fact, failing to render to the Lord can lead to miscarriage. So, you know how, you know how the fucking Duggars were all about like, keep having kids, keep having kids. Like, they do not believe in birth control of any kind whatsoever. Abstinence is birth control. Sex is only used to make more children. Do not use it for pleasure. Pleasure is bad. But if you did something wrong, if you did something wrong and you, you, you know, in your marriage or whatever the case may be, you did something wrong and you had a miscarriage. I should rephrase that. If you did something to have a child and then you had a miscarriage, you must've fucked up somewhere. That's, that's their idea. That's the way I should say it. Um, you, 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 you literally send to have a miscarriage. I'm like, that's ironic because there's a lot of things that can cause a miscarriage. So fuck yourself. Eyelids are used for seductive purposes. That is, I am not shitting you guys I am not shitting you one fucking bit. That was a lesson that was taught that eyelids can be used for seductive purposes. If a female winks, it's considered whoredom. It is considered an act by an attractive but immoral woman. So if you're ugly as fuck and you wink, don't worry about it. But if you're attractive, which they say all people are attractive because it's the countenance that matters, it is considered to be a, to communicate lustful desire and sensual entrapments. <laughs> like, Oh my fucking God. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? In other teachings would literally guys have you ever watched if you have, which I'm sure you have watched the movie footloose. That's what this fucking program lived like the town and how the town was against the teenagers. That's what this was like. So rock music, even Christian rock is a no go. And when I say Christian rock, I mean, anything that has, here's that word. Syncopated music is rock music. And I'm like, Uh, Have you ever listened to Beethoven, Mozart, anybody like that? They had syncopated music. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah, that's how they would wake you up. If you were at Indianapolis Training Center, they'd wake you up in the morning because everybody had to wake up at a certain time. Then you had to have Bible study. And then we were done with Bible study. Then you came down for breakfast and we were done with breakfast. Then you went to your seminars or you went to your classes. You went to whatever. Then you had lunch. Then you went back to those classes. You did that stuff. You had study time and then you had dinner. Everybody ate at the same time you had dinner, and then you had free time. Free time was spent playing ping pong or outside playing volleyball, which, let me tell you, let me tell you guys, girls playing volleyball in skirts is dangerous, especially on asphalt. And that's that's what they would play on in, uh, in Indianapolis because they didn't have anything other than fucking asphalt everywhere because um, it was an old hotel, and, and they had it gated off. And granted, it was gated off for a reason. It was fenced off for a reason because it was in a bad neighborhood. But play volleyball, play anything like that, any sport, basketball, anything, you could do that in your free time. And then, and then you had a time where you had to be back to your floor. You had to be back to your floor. You couldn't be in the public areas. You had to be back on your floor of this hotel. And then once you're back on the floor, then you had time when you had to be in your room. Once you're in the room, that's it. It's quiet time. Boom, go to bed. Okay. I understand having a bunch of teenagers in an area and having a sense of structure, but this wasn't structured guys. So television, movies, romance novels, drinking, all that stuff is bad. It's evil. Boys cannot talk to girls in the IBLP headquarters without another boy there or another girl. Like you, you had to be in groups of three plus and you can't talk to them. Like, like literally saying hi to them is fine. But other than that, you cannot. Unless, unless your father said you guys are going to be a good pair And they, they went through this fucking interview process that was absolutely horrendous to start the courting ritual. And then that's, again, like I said before, monitored by their parents. When it comes to um, females, and we're going to talk about the clothing here, and I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys know about my experience. You must avoid eye traps. That's what they use. They like using the term eye trap. Okay. So as was things that would draw attention to anything other than their face. Um, so if it drew attention to a body part, an arm, a leg, uh, ankles, hips, chest, ass, it did not matter. You couldn't do that. Okay. So it could be a neckline that shows anything other than your collarbone was a no-go. A necklace that was longer than 16 inches was a no-go. And I'm not shitting you guys. They fucking measured them. Um, And they they did it. Okay. So I'm going to give you an example. I had a, um, I had a, I had an experience where I was at an event that was not, um, at an ATIA or IBLP facility. It was at a church that was predominantly, when I say predominantly a good 70% of the members of that church were IBLP people. And, and, and trust me, at one point it was actually brought up about this church and, and Gothard denounced it. Gothard was like, well, that's not cool. But there was an ATI mother there. And I don't know whether she is still alive or not. So I'm going to refrain from mentioning her name. And she had two sons. Both of them were very, 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 very staunchly strict boys And as was their family. And I worked with them in the Georgia State Capitol along with knowing who they were because of this organization, right? So I I knew them outside of the organization as well. I showed up to do a chalk drawing, a chalk art. And I'll explain what that is here in just a second. But I showed up to this church to do that for for their kids' group one night. And I was literally, when you do chalk art, I'll go ahead and explain it. Now. When you do chalk art, you're drawing on a big three by five sheet of paper and you're using multiple colored chalks that are these high end chalks. And you're, you're, you're speaking, you're, you're portraying a message or a speech while you're drawing and you create this picture and you're telling a story through art while you're, while you're speaking. And, and it's dusty. It's very dirty. I, at times, like I would practice this in my parents' basement and my, my poor parents, they, I know they had chalk stains on the concrete in their basement for years because of it. But, um, you would, you would turn blue. We, we'd call it smurfing. We'd turn blue because you're using a lot of blues and greens and stuff to lay down a, a, a base for it. And you'd sand it with a sanding block and it would get in the air and your snot would be blue. Your skin would be blue. Your fingernails are blue. So I oftentimes wore a blue shirt. I wore a dark colored suit. Uh, I think it was a dark navy blue shirt, uh, suit with a dark blue shirt and a, a plain tie. A tie with no design. And this woman literally went off on me for wearing something other than a white shirt. I mean, went off. I'm talking went religious, righteous indignation went off on me for wearing something other than a white shirt. It was it was bad. I mean, my mom got involved. She was like, "How dare you?" Um, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But this was commonplace within this fucking cult. All right. Um, the the funny thing is, Bill Gothard has no medical degree um, and provided therapeutic counseling to his own whims. All right. Um, I'm a life coach. You don't have to have a certificate or degree to be a life coach or anything like that. But you do, if you're going to be a psychologist, a psychiatrist, you do. But he treated this stuff that way. He would treat all of it that way. That's the way he looked at it. And one of the biggest allegations that came against him involves a young woman that was on staff who asked for guidance on dealing with an emotional problem that she had from being raped at 11 years old by someone not a part of ATIA or the organization right and in the lawsuit it alleges that Gothard discouraged the staffer from seeking outside psychological treatment he said no professional or counselor outside of it would work he said a professional counselor would ruin you and your potential to serve the lord that's what he told her that's in the that's in the lawsuit that was in that was in the lawsuit professional counselors do not know how to work with, um, abused girls. Only I do is what he said. And this is the thing. It is not, it is not on any way, not accurate, not accurate at all. And in the reports were that he used a coin to flip a coin To decide whether to report the rape to authorities or not. Which I'm not shitting you is something that he liked to do. He'd flip a coin because he'd say God would make it land where it wanted to. He used um, the story of Gideon in the Bible, which I won't go into that story. But he used the story of Gideon in the Bible to determine that. I witnessed, I witnessed women by themselves, go into his office in Indianapolis. I did security at the Indianapolis training facility where I would sit up front in the entrance of this hotel. and it was a grand old hotel, and it was it was tall, it was a huge hotel. Um, and you'd walk in and there was this big, huge u-shaped reception desk that was like massive, massive reception desk. and um it, it, huge. you could put, six seven eight people behind it with no problem at all. And that's where you'd walk up to. And if you were walking up to that reception bus, if you look to the right, there was an office over there. There was like this waiting area on either side. To the left there was a waiting area and then a gift shop and then like a barber shop and a couple other things. And it changed things sometimes, but um that's where that was. And to the right was uh and they talk they taught hairdressing and barber you know cutting hair and barbery is that what it's called? I don't know. Um, being a barber, they taught that stuff. Ironic because you could barely cut hair. Like you could have like three hairstyles, um, (laughs) which is fucking hilarious. But to the right was Bill Gothard's office. And then just to the right of that, um, kind of around his office was stairwells, uh, the emergency exit stairwells to go up to the upper floors, um, behind the desks. Um, for those of you who have been there, who've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about for those of you who aren't. I would challenge you to go there, you know exactly what I'm talking about and you'd be like, "Oh shit, Josh was actually there." Behind that were offices. Um the furthest office to the right behind the desk was the director of the facilities office. I won't mention his name like I said again. And there was like a little desk over there that was for his assistant. That's the computer I saw my information on and that I was a yellow light. Um behind that were a couple other offices, printers, fax machines, you know, all sorts of, you know, copy machines, all sorts of stuff like that, that they would run stuff off on back there. Um, and offices for various, uh, upper level people within the program to come in and sit down in there. Fuck it. I'll, I'll even say it. Fuck, fuck this shit. Charles Gurgany, Mr. Gurgany was the one that ran that shit back there too. So he was one of the ones I had a major problem with. Fuck that guy. Um, so I have witnessed women by themselves. Keep in mind, he teaches, don't do this. Witness by themselves, go into his office, talk to him and then come out 30, 45 minutes, hours later. All right. And he'd have these one-on-one things. Funny thing is in that office, he would have the fucking blinds closed and and not do anything with them. Okay. As far as you knew. Um, so the the major players within this, if we look at this, we're going to talk about this for a second. The Duggars, obviously we know about them. We know about the molestations that happened. He sought out like Jim Bob and his wife, Michelle sought out sending Josh to the intense faith-based healing counseling in Little Rock at the training center in Little Rock. All right. And that was supposed to stop him from molesting people and, and stuff like that. Now, Guys, it's counseling. Can it work? Do you have certified counselors and things like that? I don't know the situation behind his certified counselors or not certified counselors or whatever. But again, it was a pray the gay away situation is the way it was. All right. Sarah Palin, um, at the time, was the mayor of Wasilla, Alaska. She attended the, the Character of Cities Conference and declared Wasilla um, a city of character. Now, I will talk about this for a second. I taught what was called character education in Georgia. Georgia became the first state to declare its state a state of character, i.e. what it was is we are going to implement character training programs within our schools and public service departments, okay? From all the way from kindergarten, all the way up through post-secondary school, a character education program. Now, they did not say that the program Character First, which is what IBLP had, they did not say that Character First was the only program that could be used. It was an approved program. And if it was an approved program then people like myself who were trained in teaching character education under character first program were able to go into schools and be used in schools to teach children. Was it a great program? Yes. Did it talk about the Bible? No, it did not mention the Bible. It did not talk about the Bible. It used the principles behind it. So it was far less connected to the IBLP program from any other program that they taught. Any other program did not Every other program I should rephrase had biblical sayings, quotes, scripture verses, et cetera, in them. This one did not for obvious reasons, okay? For obvious reasons. Um but it was used in in public service stuff. My dad taught it for government stuff. And was it good? Yes. Does our does our society need more character programs? Yes. Could they could the state of Georgia use um any program that they wanted to, yes, they just had to implement one, which I am cool about. I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm perfectly fine with that. If any, if you guys know anything, you know, that that's something that I'm a huge advocate of. It was not taught cult. Like it was taught about history. It was taught about animals. It was skits. It was done to relate to children and relate to first responders in a positive way. That part was actually okay. All right. Did it use biblical principles without using Biblical terms and scripture references, yes, but because of that, it was it was more diluted. So if you saw it at that point, you you never know anything about IBLP because of that. I will say that. Okay, then Rick Rick Perry, the former governor and presidential candidate in two thousand five, attended the conference of Big Sandy and he spoke. He spoke there, and he talked of you know about various things there. Mike Huckabee, um, he is an alumni of the basic seminars of Bill Gothard's. And if you follow Huckabee and watch him, I, am not a big fan of him politically. I'm not a big fan of him, but whatever. Um, but he said, and I quote, it was one of the, or some of the best programs available for instilling character in the lives of people. Um, uh, Jim Langer, um, is a San Antonio billionaire. Um, and part of the spurs a uh, christian activist gop mega donor served on the advisory board um steven goldsmith mayor of indianapolis he teamed up and provided the um provided that that hotel the the uh indianapolis location for a dollar um and in exchange for that what ATI did or IBLP did is they were willing to take in juvenile delinquents within the Indianapolis or Indiana um, system and help set them straight. And this is where the, the doors being locked situation was. So I'm going to talk about that for a second while before we go on um, at that facility, they would have, they had a several floors. They'd have a family on either end and sometimes one in the middle, but a family on either end that usually were in the super suites of the hotel. And They would be responsible for watching, being on guard, if you will, um, in shift rotations of that facility um, on that floor. So they would make sure that these, these juvenile delinquents didn't break out of the room. They were thought to have been possessed or demonically possessed or whatever the case may be. And we were working with them. Uh, when I say we, if you attended the young men's counseling seminar or the young women's counseling seminar, women worked with women, men worked with men, and you were trained on how to work with um, with juvenile delinquents. Okay, and and this was basically peer teaching along with um, adults, and it was you know we want to help juvenile delinquents get better. Is the concept good? Yes, the concept's good. Is the program itself good? No, hell fucking no, it's not. But there was success in it as any program will have, there was some success in it, and it was thereby continued. Um, The problem was is if you were a student of IBLP or ATIA, and you went there and you were seen as a red light, you were sent to the floor as well, and they would work with you. They would, again, do the whole pray pray the gay away type of situation um, with you, and they'd work with you. Um, The idea behind Bill Gothard and IBLP is a culture of fear. It's a culture of of being scared of authority. If you follow these rules, you're good. If you don't, then you'll be punished. Your car will break down. Um, you'll have miscarriages. You know, your animals will die. You know, your kids will rebel against you. All that type of stuff. Bill Gothard had an authoritarian control and an isolist mindset. And that's why it makes it cult-like. Um, The script around the whole thing was about adhering to strict 18th, 19th century principles. That's what it was. I mean, this guy's charismatic, guys. Bill author was charismatic. Dude, he could fill 10, 15, 20,000 seat auditoriums and make millions of dollars from the fees for going to the seminar, the book sales and donations. And then it went to ALERT, Airline Emergency Resource Team. And it trains men to go out, not women, because remember, women can't do this, to go out and aid in disaster relief. Now, have they helped? Yes. Alabama, Arizona, Indiana, Michigan, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, New Zealand, Romania, a bunch of places they've helped in major disaster relief. I've participated in them. I was a part of alert and saw how it worked. And like I said, it was paramilitary. This was headed up by former members of the military. And the highest level was a colonel. Um, that's the highest level of it. But they used military rankings. Um, they used military hierarchy, all sorts of stuff. Like you, you had stripes, you had uniform stripes, dress, uniform, dress blues, uh, work uniform. The I mean, I'm talking guys, it was hardcore and, and they would go into areas like tornadoes, flood areas. They help pick up pieces of the space shuttle when it crashed or when it blew up, um, you know, stuff like that. Was it good? Yeah. But the problem itself that re, that came from that was the abuse within it, the verbal abuse, the mental abuse, the emotional abuse, because they, it was a power trip for so many of these young people that were, that were abused or mentally, emotionally abused by their parents who rose to power within the organization of alert and exacted that abuse out on people underneath them. Guys, this training was ranked by people outside of the organization as the same level, same type of training that was just below Navy SEALs and above Marine basic training. It was ruthless guys. When I was in it, we had 72 hour and 24 hour hikes in a 24 hour hike. We carried 80 pounds of gear in a 24 hour hike. And we hiked 62 miles in 24 hours, 62 miles in a 24 hour hike, not going to sleep. Now, hey, man, if you're signed up for the military and you're doing that kind of shit or you're signing up for this and you want that kind of shit, you know, it's there, dude, it's there. But it was treated more or less like if you're a rebellious boy or if you're a bad boy, then you get sent to this. It was kind of like a military school, a boys' school, boys' boarding school for misbehaving children. Now, were there good guys in it? Yeah, fuck yeah, there were. There were great people in there. But a lot of it was treated not like that. The hell that people went through during that was unreal. Absolutely unreal. When it was based, before it was moved down to Texas, it was based up in Michigan and guys were getting flat out getting no or little to no medical care for major injuries, major injuries, suffering from the cold, losing toenails. I lost six total toenails out of 10. When I was in it and guys to give you an idea, it was so frowned upon after the fact, after it was audited, self audited and what happened that the heads of the organizations for anybody who dropped out or anybody who quit or anybody who was DQ'd disqualified from the organization, they offered them to go back through it. At no charge. Hey, we beat the fuck out of you. We treated you like shit. But you can go back. You had to pay for this. This wasn't volunteer, by the way, guys. You had to pay for it. You had to pay for this shit. All right? You had to pay to go and get your ass kicked all over the place. And at the time, if I remember correctly, it was like $1,600, $1,700 for the first phase of alert. And then you went to basically like what was MOS or IT school, so post basic training, which was sixteen weeks. You went to it after that, and that was schooling in specifics like scuba diving, pilot's license, um, you know, stuff like that. And depending on what you chose, it determined how much it cost. Which I understand recouping some cost, like I get it, dude, but bro, like what the fuck? So expensive. But they they said, Hey, look, you can come back through it and we won't charge you. <laughs> okay, no. Um, like I said, Bill Gothard led a modest life on the surface. The man dressed the same. He looked the same. Everything's like that, but, and he never married. Um, he had a huge old car that he drove. I think it was a Lincoln. If I remember correctly, it was a big fucking boat of a car. Um, he took a very modest salary. Keep in mind, keep in mind that he, (laughs) even though he he did that, everything was paid for. John, he had a modest salary, but they had cafeterias where he could eat. He had a modest salary, but he had a place where he could always sleep. He had his own home. He had his home near Oak Brook. He had his home in Hinsdale. He had a place to sleep at any one of these locations and Hey, he didn't have to pay for a flight because in 1979, they already owned a turboprop. They purchased a Learjet and that's what he used to fly between seminars and meetings. He never flew commercial. And I mean, I shouldn't say never, but he very rarely flew commercial. And on top of that, if you want to dive into it even further, I know for a fact, he had one of those big, huge, like conversion style type vans that was like pimped the fuck out, had candy in it and shit like that. Um, IBLP put a lot of money into its properties and and what like that. And that's when it increased and it expanded and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But the, the thing with IBLP is they never pissed anybody off. They weren't doing anything wrong on the surface. You know, these people are people that were, um, were great. I mean, the police were never called to these places, Probably because you're taught to deal with it on your own, and if you're a woman and you stood up against a guy and he beat the fuck out of you, then that's what you deserve, right? Because you sinned and you deserve to get the fuck beat out of you. um And and like they had a in in the headquarters location, all of the products, everything that they had was self printed. All right, they had a they had a huge printing facility, huge printing presses. And they, I mean, they would, they would offer to print stuff for the community. They'd offer to, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So none of that, um, happened like to a point where it was like, Oh, these people are evil. Um, in the eighties, the sex scandal that came out with his brother, Steve never went anywhere. It was quiet. Um, you know, all that stuff. But Bill Gothard was accused of dragging his feet and reprimanding his siblings and was forced to step down. Um, he was reinstated after a few weeks though, because you know, he's, he's the thing. He's the, he's the person. So Gretchen Wilkinson began, this is where it gets sideways. She began working in the early nineties. Um, after that all faded, like after all those issues and things like that faded, which I mean, you know, it's after her time, Bill Gothard comes back. He whitewashes everything. You don't see the shit that's going on with his brother. He comes back. Um, and, and she starts working for him. And she's one of the main people of this, of this lawsuit that came up. Now, again, the lawsuit has since been dismissed, but we're going to talk about it because it doesn't change the fact that those of us that were in the organization know what kind of piece of shit this man was and the kind of pieces of shit he surrounded himself with. Okay. Um, you know, she has this reference for him, which a lot of us did. We all had this reverence for this dude who is charismatic and has his hair combed over to the side and add a mustache to him. And he looks like goddamn short version of Adolf Hitler. But, um, she's told by her parents that because of Bill Gothard, she's alive. Right. Um, and, and, that's the way a lot of people looked at it now keep in mind guys um when I when I was in this program again we were going to be a first year family but because my parents did not um, adhere to certain things within the organization we were not allowed to be that I.e we had a TV or we had certain music. I remember to this day my parents making us take old records Elvis Presley records um, you know old band records uh, Fleetwood Mac Elvis Presley stuff like that taking a mile into the driveway and burning them physically burning vinyl records, which now fucking drives a knife into my heart because those things were worth so much money, but they did that. Um, and that's, that's, the kind of effect he had. Well, once my parents did that, I believe we were, uh, we were a third year family. Once my parents did that, the third year ATIA existed, we were a part of the third year. It was at the end of the second year, first part of the third year. And that was a huge thing. If you're a first, second, third year family, Oh my God. Oh my God. You've been with them for so long. You know, that, that was a big thing. Like people walked around and wore that as like some sort of fucking metal. Like I am a third year family. Oh my God. You met a first year family. It was like, Holy shit. And these people were like, looked at as like gods, right? But basically the funny thing about it is he had this, he had this, uh, personality. And if you guys look him up on online, um, he never changed. He he didn't from the day that I remember seeing him to the day that I talked to him last, he has not changed one bit. I'm putting another dip in. Hang on guys. He didn't change. He hasn't. Not one fucking bit. Um, He like, I don't know what kind of fucking Botox or whatever he used, but I'm serious. This guy has not aged. The last time I talked to him face-to-face was in his home, and we'll talk about that conversation. The last time I talked to him face-to-face was in his home. The meeting was set up by somebody who's still close to him to this day, who... He and I have had major disagreements with each other. I will not mention his name because I do not want his family getting hell, even though I do not agree with him whatsoever. Um, But it's because I went on to Bill Gothard's Facebook page because it was told to me by the gods of Facebook that I should be friends with this guy. Private, regular, normal Facebook page. So I sent him a message and I was like, I want to talk to you. You're a piece of shit, and you ruined my life, and that's how that started. So we'll we we'll go into that in just a second. After we get through this part, we'll go into that. We'll go into the lawsuit stuff. We'll talk about that stuff, and we'll move on. If I have to do a two part series to this, I will. But basically, um, Bill Gothard, to give you guys a, a, a kind of an idea of what he looks like, he looks like Dennis Hopper. Um, he has this like kind of high forehead, and he has a real round face, and he's short. Um, he has dark hair, and he dyes his hair. It's like, I mean, you can tell you get up close to him and you can tell that he dyes his hair. Um, and and he, he parted it on the side and he has a dark suit. So he, he doesn't look like somebody who'd fuck your life up. Honestly, he looks just like this weird, like, dude, he, he's so unassuming and he's a little dude. He's not that tall. He's probably 5'5". Five, five. And he's just he's just kind of heavier set, unassuming, kind of mild mannered, timid dude. Until he talks, and then when he talks, and I remember the first first stuff they did was on an overhead projector, and they'd have like these big movie style type TVs and would do it, you know, project it up on the big screens, and he used an overhead projector, like, where you can write on it, like the old school ones, where you put, like, the, the overlays down, like, the, the clear overlays, and it'd have, like, overlays, and he'd draw on it, and write on it, and he had this pretty handwriting, and um, now he would he would write on this stuff, and he would talk about it, and he'd draw drawings, and he'd, he'd write and fill in blanks, and you had this paper, when he went to the IBLP you had a booklet, and he'd fill in the blanks on the booklet, and he'd write your notes, and you'd have highlighters, and that was his thing. And then he went to overhead projectors where like projected up everything on like PowerPoints. Right. So much like Wilkinson who encountered Bill Gothard at a seminar in Knoxville, that's at the ATIA conferences. Right. Um, She was 16 in 92. um, And, and that's, again, she was a step ahead. Like their family was like, like, first year type family. Ours was third year. I was a step behind. So she was in the teenage, they would divide groups. They'd have adults, they'd have teenagers and they'd have kids. And if you went from kid, like the children's Institute thing, when you were like 12, 13 years old and you were able to do the, a, the teenage thing, dude, that was awesome. You got to sit with your friends. You got to talk with them. And to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of us fucking cut up, but they would have monitors at these like conferences for the teenagers that would like walk up and down the aisle, make sure you weren't passing notes and weren't writing stuff to people and stuff. Like, I mean, it was bad, right? But for her, she alleges that, and she, she told the Chicago magazine that she remembers that he held her hand and wouldn't let go looking her in the eye and telling her how her eyes were the soul were, were her soul. And then she had a beautiful smile, which was typical to Bill Gothard. Okay. Now the man didn't hold my hand, but He told me several times that I had piercing blue eyes and that they were the window to my soul and they, and my soul and my countenance was so bright and that my smile was, um, what was the word he used? He used it at Chalkheart. It wasn't electrifying. My smile was charismatic and my smile would bring people to, to Christ. I'm like, dude, my smile. (laughs) Dude, I got braces in my mouth. Are you fucking blind? Like, are you serious? Um, so he asked her to work in Hinsdale, much like he asked me to work in Indianapolis and at headquarters as well. Um, and during that, <coughs> during that time in Knoxville, he actually asked her to do it. And she was like, oh my God, I'm totally on this. Um, you know, and and he he would pick out people specifically at these conferences to go work there. Um. And, and be in Chicago with him, in Hinsdale. And he would pick them out at the conferences. If you interacted with him enough, the whole idea was, if you were a person that wanted to work at one of these things, you got close to Bill Gothard, got close to one of his people close enough that they'd say, come work here. And that was a huge thing. Bill Gothard asked me to work at this thing. Such and so asked me to work at this thing. Now, we'll go to Rachel Frost. I know Rachel Frost. I would not call her a friend. By any means, I have not talked to her very much Well, I have not talked to her at all since I left the program, but I know Rachel and she had a similar story. She was at the event in Knoxville. She was a part of the orchestra um, and she was looking for her flute when Bill introduced himself. She claims, this is what, these are her words, quote unquote, he just came up to me tapped me on the shoulder, and gave me a once-over. End quote. She was thrilled to be in his presence, like many of us are. And then I go on. It was something you dreamed about, meeting Bill Gothard in the flesh. It was like the President of the United States tapping you on the shoulder. You don't expect it. In our world, conservative homeschooling world, he was everything. There's hundreds of people that are wanting... Touch the hem of his garment. And that is exactly the way it is put. I could not put it any better. Rachel, if you hear this, I cannot applaud you anymore for that statement. That is what it was. Guys, it was so ridiculous. I remember I remember being in his presence, being around him at 14, 15 years old. The day he signed my Bible, I opened up my Bible to the cover page and he signed It, it was like, oh my God. It literally was like the president of the United States doing it. I showed it to my parents. I showed it to the people that I was around there. It literally felt like that. It felt like you were talking to the president of the United States. You got a letter from him, something written from him. It was huge. When my parents got stuff from him, it was huge. And she goes on. And I'm going to, I'm going to read this out of the Chicago Magazine Um, which I'm taking some of this stuff out of to kind of give myself kind of a timeline of talking about things to you guys. So a lot of what you're hearing is coming from the Chicago Magazine and my expounding upon that. You said that Gothard asked her if she would ever consider working for IBLP. She would love to, she told him, but she was only 15. He was not dissuaded by this. I was 15. I was 15, okay? She goes on, quote, He was like, I need her, in Hinsdale, in parentheses, now, end quote. She goes on to say, quote, even they were taken aback, but they agreed. It was a huge thing for the whole family, end quote. She ends up on the plane, Gothard paid for it, and she went to an apartment that was set up and ready to go. Two years later, she was traveling with Godfather on international trips and become a prominent face and voice for the IBLP marketing materials, which she had. She very much had. My parents had interactions with her. And again, like I said, I had interactions with her. My interactions were in Taiwan with her. I went to Russia, and I went to Taiwan with IBLP. Um there was special treatment that was done to students that he, he found favor in or that found favor in his eyes. You go to Australia, New Zealand, places like that. Um, they were allowed to, those two women were allowed to wear heels. They wore red nail polish. They dressed a little bit less conservatively and they stood out. He wanted them to stand out. um, But then both of those women started looking at him differently. And Frost recounts a staff lunch. And she was invited by Gothard to sit at his table at a staff lunch. And she felt his foot nudge her. And she was like, well, what the fuck? And, And this is her quote. I was thinking, oh, that was a total mistake. It was my mistake, she recalls. Then the next few times, his foot would be going further up her calf. End quote. There's the start. There's the start. This motherfucker. This is where it starts. She went to Taiwan in 94. I had interactions with her doing that. They had a, they had a, like an international, they would call it like an international meeting. They would meet with the authorities as high up as they could get and and all the way up to presidency level, as high as they could get to talk to the authorities about being there. Which, hey, look, I understand. If you're running a business or organization, you want to meet with as high up as you can be so that you're accepted there. You get the blessing of the government, right? I did children's institutes in Taiwan, and we'll talk about those. And I worked at the orphanage in Russia. She said that she felt shaken, but couldn't bring herself to believe that Bill Gothard had nefarious intentions. So she kept quiet about the incident. She said, quote, I felt I needed to protect his reputation because I know this is not probably what he means to do. And this is my evil mind thinking that this is something more. I got to keep my legs back because I'm sending him signals, you know? So his actions, his wrong, his nefarious activities, the thing that he teaches against, the very thing that he stands up against, the very fucking thing that he does is against everything that he teaches. Other staffers encountered his his situations. Uh, One staffer recounted that he would invite invite her to to sit at the head table every time they had a meal. And it was in the evening, he would invite her to come back up to his office. He'd want me to sit on the couch with him, and then he would ask me to confess my sins and any relationships I have with boys and things like that, i.e. he's living through other people. Like, it, it's the same as like the whole, you know, priest in the church situation with a really pretty woman. Like, I'm not going to touch her, but I want to listen to all of your stuff. It's like, guys, let's be honest. I don't have a problem with porn. All right. Whatever. Addiction to it, just like an addiction to alcohol, is bad. But I don't have a problem with it. And and some of you may go, oh, fuck you, Josh. Porn is bad. Okay. Whatever. You're entitled to your opinion. Okay but it's doing the same thing. It's like, I'm going to preach against all this stuff, but I'm going to watch porn because that's how I get my jollies. I'm going to touch these women. That's how I get my jollies. I'm going to ask them to tell me about their relationships and about what they've done wrong, because that's how I get my jollies and guys sitting at the head table, like in Indianapolis. I said at the head table a couple of times of Bill Gothard, dude, you're sitting at the head table it was usually up at the, like the front side of the room with three or 400 other people in the room. And as little as like 120 to 200 people in the room. And you're sitting with Bill Gothard, dude, people wanted to talk to you. People wanted to be around you. And this, she, she keeps on going. She said he, he kept bumping his, uh, bumping his feet. So I would sit with my feet wrapped around the legs of the chair but sitting on his couch one-on-one during counseling sessions, it would get more complicated. She said you couldn't get away from him because his foot kept coming up your legs and that got really uncomfortable. I can attest and tell you that he would sit with his legs crossed like a female would. He would sit with his legs crossed and, and would use his top leg to run it up a woman's leg. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. Like many of the young girls recruited for the IBLP headquarters, and their parents being in the ATI program um, from a young age, you just are confused by it because you're like, wait, you're not supposed to say anything, but that's what he's doing. Now the, the, even more confusing part is you didn't know what that was. You just knew it was uncomfortable because remember, <laughs> we don't talk about sex ed. We don't talk about, we don't talk about that stuff. We don't talk about, you know, sexual activities and promiscuity, except to say that it's bad. What's bad? Touching my penis while I'm taking a fucking piss? Wiping my ass while I'm, after I've taken a shit? You're know, like, what? what's supposed to, What? what's bad, right? So this is the timeline. And then I'm going to get into my stuff, my personal experiences, okay? 1961 is a big one. Um, that's when he founds the the campus teams, right? Seventy four, they change it to Institute and Basic Youth Complex, uh conflicts instead of campus teams. In eighty, his brother's dismissed. In eighty-four, he starts ATI, which is a homeschooling based program, right? Um, that's just based on the Sermon on the Mount. Eighty-nine, they change it, they change officially change their their Main thing from institute and basic youth conflicts to institute and basic life principles. Now, I have, I have paperwork. Well, I don't have it anymore because I got rid of it. I had paperwork that said institute and basic youth conflicts, and then I have paperwork that says institute and basic life principles. Then in 92, 19 kids and counting starts being you know, a big thing, and they are using the ATI curriculum. In two thousand twelve. Recovering Grace website is set up in 2012 where people can go and talk about stuff. 2014, they start the probe into Bill Gothard. He steps down. He apologized for holding of hands, hugs, and touching of feet or hair with young ladies. That's what he says he's done wrong. But they were not intended to be sexual. Quote unquote, they crossed the boundaries of discretion and violated the trust. Cool cool, dude, you don't tell them what sex is and you don't tell them what flirting is, but we're going to flirt and then we're going to say, hey, since you didn't know what those things were, we're not going to call them by those things. Then in 2014, later in 2014, they conclude that he just acted inappropriately, not criminally. 2015, Josh Duggar's bullshit comes out into the in, in the InTouch magazine, and we remember that. And he was treated at the Little Rock Center. Um, 2015, they announced that relocating from Hinsdale to Big Sandy, and Hinsdale still sits empty to this day. I was I went by it recently, and it still is empty. In 2015, later in 2015, they sue IBLP. Um, and that lawsuit goes back all the way to 92, as far back as 92. 2016, more people in our, uh, you know get on that lawsuit and number of plaintiffs gets to 18 plaintiffs. 2016 Gothard and IBOP file a motion, to dismiss lawsuit on technical grounds, claiming um, among other things that the statute of limitations had expired. Notice, notice, and this is what I want to bring up guys. Had the statute of limitations expired? Yes. By law. Yes. They had expired. They had 100% expired. That's their defense. Think about that, guys. That's their motherfucking defense. Statute of limitations expired. Not that it hadn't happened. Not that it was wrong. Not that legally he should be held liable, along with IBLP. But that it had expired. Good lawyers, man. Good fucking lawyers. Not even going to deny it. Real good motherfucking lawyers. Still wrong. Now, in Frost's case, which was the most disturbing incident, came one night when she was riding in the car with Bill Gothard, more than likely his van, because he didn't drive. I mean, when he drove, he drove her on campus, but otherwise he didn't drive. He had a driver. He always had drivers. I witnessed the drivers. I've seen the drivers. I've seen the inside of his van. Never rode in it. Saw the inside of it. He, uh, She alleged that at at one point in this ride that he leaned forward and roughly grabbed almost all of her hair close to the nape of her neck with his fist and whispered through clenched teeth. I love your hair. So we go with an old man who is sexually fucking frustrated and is doing the very thing that he's not supposed to do. If you guys hear my dog, that's, that's Toro in the background. He's, he's sitting here in the office with me and, um, and he's, he's, letting me know that I'm getting a little bit amped up. He's trained to, um, feel blood pressure and anxiety and whatnot like that. So you're going to hear that a little bit. All right. She goes on to say that I was just completely, or she says, and I'm going to quote this, I'm going to read this. It was a, it was just a shock to me that Like, okay, I can't explain this anymore. I remember being in turmoil, wanting to talk about this with somebody because I totally felt like he crossed the line there. But you just don't talk against God's anointed. Ironic, ironic. That's all I got to say is ironic. Again, he has created such a persona for himself and has gone above and beyond for himself to this point where it's like, you regard him on such a high scale that you're not going to do anything to him. In Wilkinson's case, the behavior escalated beyond foot rubbing and inappropriate conversation at one time when she was alone with Gothard, she says the suit alleges in this case, he placed his hand on her breast and on her thigh up to her genitals while she was clothed. That's groping ladies and gentlemen. And, and there's other ones, there's other ones. Um, In 2012, recently as recently as in 2012, during a late night Bible study session with Gothard's office, the suit alleges that the IBLP leader, leader, Bill Gothard, rubbed the staffer's thighs very close to her vaginal area. She was 15. Now, he has come out and said that Josh Duggar was wrong. That's the funny thing. He told me that. He physically told me that Josh Duggar was wrong. And his his reasoning behind it, and what he told me was, I did not raise him. I only taught his parents what to do. I can't do anything about that. It was all about him. He wouldn't condemn it. It was all about him. And and the Recovering Grace website came up. It was put up there. And again, we're not going to dive into it Any, any more than, than that. If you want to read the lawsuit, it's still, the paperwork is still out there for it, but I'm going to talk about my stuff and I know we're going long here guys, but this is going to be a long one and, and listen to this, listen to this podcast and and groupings or whatever. But I'm going to talk about my experiences. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I will talk about it. So when I was young, my parents joined. Like I said, I remember my parents making us burn the records. I remember my parents making us get rid of things to the point that, guys, I am not joking you. And my dad called me several years ago and said, you're not going to believe what I got for your mom. And I said, what? And he goes, a Wii. I was like, a what? And he goes, a Wii. I was like, I know what it is, but you seriously got my mom a gaming system? I was shocked. I was shocked. We didn't have video games when I was a kid. Which I don't have a problem with because we spent a lot of time outside. We played, we did a lot of fun stuff, right? But we didn't have that because we weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to have that. Yet, we just, we ended up sheltered in that way. Um. It, it's just, it, it's sad. It's really sad. But we would go to, we went to, we went to, you know, some events, right? Went to what's called IBLP, Institute student Basic Life Principles Conference, the basic seminar. and we would go to Children's Institutes. My first negative reaction was at a Children's Institute. Um, and I acted out in some way. Something upset me, uh, another child upset me, and I acted out honestly, don't remember that aspect of it. What I do remember is going to what they referred to as wisdom walks. All right. And a wisdom walk was for a child who acted out. And it was, um, keep in mind, these, they they had these small groups. Let me go back a little bit. So they'd have small groups where you do crafts and you learn about stories. And then you would go to these main groups and the main groups would happen twice in the evening. And or once in the evening, depending on, and there would be a main speaker and they would do skits and they'd sing songs and they'd teach us songs. And then we would perform those songs at the end of the conference for the adults in the, in the basic conference. So the, the Children's Institute or Children's Conference was off to the side. It was, you know, parents would drop your kids off. You'd be registered to a group. You would sit in the group. You'd know your leaders. You'd have a main leader and an assistant leader. And there would be like 10 to 15 kids in the group and you go to these main ones and you come back and you do things and you decorate stuff. And you had like these, these praise pockets that would be put up, which was basically like a star system. And they would write a praise to you. And, you know, the, the leaders would write a praise like, Oh, thank you for sitting so still, or thank you for being attentive, or thank you for being obedient and using terms that we were using during the conference and learning about, and they would post those um, in, well, not post them, but they would put them inside these praise pockets and we would we'd sit around. We'd learn to sing songs. We'd quote scriptures. We'd we'd memorize scriptures. We'd do all this kind of things. Well, I had acted out, and then you go to this wisdom walk. And a wisdom walk was like a one on one with one of these teenagers that would teach you how you what you did was wrong. It was a timeout, is what it was. It was a verbal timeout. Um, it was ridiculous. So in this wisdom walk, they'd be like, "Hey, look, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. Whatever the case may be. Um, this is how you don't do it again." <laughs> And so on. And then you'd go back to your group. That was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And what I was called out for was defending myself because this kid was picking on me and I, I snap back. And if any of you guys know who I am as a person, it takes a little bit to do that to me, but I will, I will pop off and I will go back at that person. So I get done with the wisdom walk. I go back. And then parents are told, well, your son went on a wisdom walk tonight. And that was like a big thing. It was like, Oh my God, what did he do? Did he burn the world down? Did he he plant an atomic bomb? Like shit like that. That's, that's what they do. Um, and it was really embarrassing for me. That was my first experience. And then, you know, we'd go through these children's conferences, we'd enjoy them and things like that and children's institutes is what they refer to as. So, um, fast forward a little bit and I get older and I get to a point where I can participate in them as a leader and I'm an assistant leader, and then I'm a group leader, and I did them all over Georgia and a couple other states, and then I went to Chalk Art, which was up in Indianapolis. That was my first experience by myself traveling. I went to Indianapolis. I was one of the youngest people to ever be allowed in it. I was allowed to go because my parents appealed to it, and my artistic abilities apparently were good enough. I went to that. I came home, and then there were like several phases to it. I went back for the, the more advanced phase and then like the super advanced phase of it. And that's where I met Gil Bates um, at the second one. And then the third one, he was there again. And Bill Gothard was an instructor. And they had several other artistic instructors that, that started chalk art, that, that started the, the you know philosophy behind it that had the same mindsets as Bill Gothard did. And these are much older people. Um, um, and, and all of them, have passed on except for a few of the instructors. Um, I did go back one time as an instructor, um, yeah, and was able to teach and did that. And I do, I did the young men's counseling seminar. So you got certified as a counselor. And then, um, you know, you counsel people. I did, um, you know, I worked in the kitchen up there. Um, I did, uh, you know, security, like I said before up there, um, and whatnot. And that's where I experienced things there. Um, I went to Russia and worked at the orphanage that they had set up there to work with orphans and teach at other orphanages around Russia that they had teamed up with to teach uh, character education in English. And then I went to Taiwan and did children's Institute in Taiwan, um, multiple of them over the course of, um, uh, a few months or a few, or it was like a month and a half, um, rather, um, spent time traveling and seeing the sites as well as teaching and worked with a great family there. The Chen family was a great family. They are wonderful people, but we were outside of the eye, the direct eye of, of IBLP and ATIA and um, we were able to do things and be able to be more free there, which was, which was hugely, hugely, hugely impactful as far as my enjoyment. Um, you know, Russia, yes, it was enjoying. Yes. I did see a lot of things. Yes. I did get to experience a lot of things, but because it was like in a training center, um, it was a gated facility, which most places in Russia at the time were that was soon after the fall of the, the communist party and Russia switching over, um, and reopening back to the West. Um, that I was able to go. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Russia was rough at the time. So it was a matter of protecting yourself. And they had a university there and university um, for them is like high school. Um, And uh, you know, they had older students there. They had some, they had some juvenile delinquents there that they worked with. And then children that were staying with families, like almost like a foster type of situation. Um, Excuse me, like a foster type of situation. Where they would be in these um, family pods with these families, there'd be you know four or five orphans within you know the family, and the family was helping them learn and, and educate them and things like that. That again was much more strict um, and more like a regular training institute versus being in Taiwan, which is much more uh, liberal, very liberal um, in the eyes of IBLP, but much more normal in the eyes of uh, human beings. Still ultra conservative, still ridiculous. As far as, you know, what you could wear and what you couldn't wear. But keep in mind, shh, don't tell anybody we wore jeans when we played football. Um, You know, things like that. So that was there. Now, since then, the whole wearing of jeans has become less of an issue. But you wear collared shirts. Um, wearing, you know, things with um, a logo on them is not as frowned upon, but still is very much Looked down upon, um, even though they would have shirts that had uh, the logo on it, the IBLP ATI logo on it. If you worked there, if you were a staff member, but went to Taiwan, did that, went to Alert, like I said, um, and and did those things. They still to this day hold conferences. They still hold conferences in Texas, in Big Sandy, Texas, but the numbers have greatly, greatly, greatly decreased, immensely decreased, um, like hugely, uh, decreased. Um, and, and a lot of that comes from the, uh, the, uh, I I think from the, the pulling back of the control of Bill Gothard, um, and the scrutiny that they've been under now, I, I keep referring to ATIA. Um, it is ATII now, Advanced Training Institute uh, International, no longer ATIA. But um, the people that are kind of in in the forefront for this are people like Gary Fraley and uh, Bob Newhouse, and, and it has gotten less structured, and, um, in a sense of like the whole idea of, of the control and whatnot like that, that, um, that exists, but I'm going to read a little bit from their website and kind of give you guys an idea. Um, what I was brought underneath and I'll, and I'll explain some more again of myself, but it's building, uh, foundations of godly generations. It's turning the, uh, turning the father's heart to his children. Um, notice nothing about mothers. Um, um, you know, it's, it's the teachings of Jesus Christ, again, still Sermon on the Mount is primary source of teaching linguistics, law, history, science, and medicine. Um, and it, it's very abbreviated. It's, it's oddly abbreviated. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of say that, um, within the curriculum itself, it's, it's scripture is the main textbooks for building of all life, including education on Christ. Um, Again, 3,000 pages contained in 54 wisdom books with 111 verses and and about the Sermon on the Mount. It is so hyper-focused on one subject, it's ridiculous. Um, The idea behind it, um, and the idea behind the whole ideal of ATIA, is that it's so hyper-focused that you cannot get away from that one thing. Um, for those of you who are wondering, their, their address is now One Academy Boulevard, Big Sandy. You cannot apply online. You cannot do that. You have to talk to an individual. You have to talk to a team of people. Um, and you have to talk to what they're, what they're doing. If you look at their website as a whole, it is very locked down is very, very locked down. Like they're not really talking about a lot of stuff. They really aren't. Um, They talk about their family camp that they have, which is held in Big Sandy. They talk about their online resources. They talk about their training library. They talk a little bit about their curriculum and then they allow you to get support from that. Um, That's about it. I'm going to pull up alert because I'm going to talk about alert for a minute here and the, the detriment that it was to me. Um, and and we'll go from there. As I'm doing that, I'm gonna um let's see here. Okay, Airline Emergency Resource Team. There we go. Um as that's coming up, the problem with it and the detriment that it was is just like in the military, they beat you down to to rebuild you in a certain way, right? But it is a three-phase Christian discipline and career training program. Um phase one, like I said, is like boot camp. Phase two teaches you um, basic overall helping people skills. And then phase three is like the defined skills. And guys, don't get me wrong. There are people that have become firefighters and pilots and stuff like that from it. Um, and, and what they've done with that is is incredible um, in spite of everything. Um, the basic training people um that do this are people that have been through the program much like the military all that stuff did they did they roll it down and, and make it a little bit less crazy yeah 100 but um if you want to go to basic training you're looking at forty five hundred dollars second phase is f- almost forty seven hundred dollars um learning leadership and communication is forty one hundred dollars to become basic training cadre so to be authority during basic training is four thousand dollars the fire academy is $6,000. The um, technical rescue, um, like, you know, rescuing people off of mountains, et cetera, is 50, f- almost $5,600. Diving is not offered um, as of right now, but that is something that they offer. Aviation is $12,000, which guys to get your pilot's license is going to cost about that much anyway. Um, to do EMT basic training is $4,500. To go on missions, Um, where you're you're going out and helping people, it costs you money. It costs you forty eight hundred dollars to do it. Um, the whole idea behind doing this is, I mean, keep in mind they do have financial aid. I'm gonna asterisk that. It has changed so much, because what it was at the time was beating people down. Guys, to give you an idea, the colonel had a daughter that got in trouble and we did not see her for months because she was caught having sex with one of the members of alert. One of the people, one of the guys, I'm just going to call them guys. Cause they're not like, that's the only thing I can refer to them as in the dentist office that they had on campus. And there is a dentist office. There's like a chapel, there's a doctor's office. There's, um, a huge meeting facility, they have basketball courts, indoor basketball courts, and stuff, I mean, it, this place is huge, absolutely humongous, she was caught having sex with him, or at least conducting in sexual activities, or conducting sexual activities with him, and we didn't see her for months, because she was relegated to the home, and was not allowed to leave, and it, there's a, there's a golf course on the facility, and there's a landing strip, and on the other side of the landing strip, where the golf course was, that's where the people that lived there, the families that lived there, stayed in those homes. And that's where she was found. Um, Or she was found in the, the office, rather. And that's where she was relegated to, was that area over there. Um, And the, the thing is, is she wasn't underage. Neither was the guy. They weren't underage. But she lived in her parents' home. And her parents, like, put her into fucking solitary confinement because of it this is the teachings of this fucking organization guys burn music and burn videos and burn TVs because they're evil. Um, now they have to use TVs cause thank you technology. They have to use internet because obviously they have a website, but using them for anything other than the purposes of this fucking organization, get rid of it. Don't teach children about sex ed but assault them. Don't allow women to have a voice. Debase them. Teach young women that the male is not the head of the household only. But teach young women to do whatever he says to never question it to do what he says, because he's the man of the house. Teach families that if there's a miscarriage you fucked up in life, teach families that if your car breaks down, it's because you fucked up, you know, bad things happen to you. It's because you weren't godly enough or you didn't do X, Y, Z or you know, whatever. The thing is guys, it's a cult. It's it's it is a cult um, under the guises of Christianity, and that's the bad part. Um, you know, it's the 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 sad part is the sad part is is the organization was so large, and it was it is still followed to this day by such religious zealots that any speaking out against it has been quashed. It's been, it's been pushed to the side. It's been said that, you know, those of us who've spoken out against this fucking piece of shit, human being, Bill Gothard, which I will talk about our conversation and, and the people that, that have, especially the women that have come out against it, because let's be real guys the women and children that were brought up or brought up within this organization were the ones that received the worst guys got off easy. I mean, they, they did. I mean, guys were the ones that they were like regarded highly and, 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 and praised and, and put up on pedestals. It's everyone else that suffered guys are the pinnacle. And, and again, they've gotten somewhat away from that in their current teachings, but they still hold to it. They still hold to it. Um, they've gotten a little bit looser with it, but they still hold to it. So this is what happened with my conversation. Like I said, I, I, I contacted this individual on Facebook and uh, he and his wife contacted me back. and We had a couple of conversations together um, and then he put uh, Bill on the phone. And um, this is prior to the conversations we had, that, I don't know, three or four conversations uh, with each other prior to talking to bill and he was with bill cause he was working with bill and he's, he's like bill's little assistant, um, a runaround dude. And, uh, this is a family that functions, <coughs> excuse me, very much like the Duggars, um, in very many ways, just not on TV. Um, so he puts bill on the phone and he, he gets him he gets him talking to me and we, we have a discussion um, and the discussion as typical to Bill Gothard is very calm and it's very, uh, collected, very quiet, um, very professional, you know, hi, Josh, how are you doing? You know, that kind of, that kind of tone of voice. And again, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm fine, you know, whatever. Um, i be perfectly honest. I was standoffish. Um, and, and at that point, uh, emotionally charged. And when I talked to my parents about the conversation that I had with them, I told them, I was like, you know, it took me years to get to the point where I could talk to this guy without wanting to fucking chew his head off and eat his face off. And I mean, as you guys know, I use strong language and this man probably has never heard the word fuck in his life. Um, or if he has, he's tried to, you know, exit it out of his brain rapidly and probably went through a bunch of, um, you know, confessions and pray, uh, praying and stuff like that to get it out of his head. So I, um, like I said, I'm on the phone with him and he starts off and he goes, yeah, I know who your parents are, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, oh, that's great, fine and dandy. And I'm like, look, I gonna be perfectly honest with you, man. I, I got, I got a bunch of shit to say to you. I have a bunch of shit to say to you and I, I don't want to do it over the phone. I want to do it in person. Um, you know, I, I don't want to kill you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to harm you, but you need to hear this. You absolutely need to fucking hear this. And he goes, okay, yeah, let's set up a meeting. So on and so forth. And at the time I was working up in that area where he lives and uh, we set up the meeting after I, I was at work and, um, you know, I went and, uh, <laughs> I changed clothes. Um, I was in a suit and tie and I'm like, because of where I work. That's, that's what I wore. And, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to show up in a suit and tie. This is not me. This is not who I am. I do this because this is what I have to do to work. So I put on jeans, a t-shirt and, sh- and a ball cap. Um, like I normally wear and I, I showed up to his house and, uh, knock on the door and the gentleman and his wife come to the door and, uh, Bill is kind of behind them and, you know, Hey Josh, you know, nice to meet you in person. So on and so forth. They know who I am. Um, you know, from, from, I guess, talking to Bill or whatever the case may be. And I walk into the house and to the left is a dining area, room, living room-ish kind of thing that's full of a ton of books. And to the right is the, is the, the living area that we ended up sitting down in, and the kitchen is just beyond that. And Bill, as a, as a house guest or as a, as a host rather offers me, Hey, did you want something to drink coffee? Anything like that? And I said, no, I'm fine. Um when we sit down and his wife sits next to me and and Bill sits across from me and he says what what did you want to talk about and I was like first of all I appreciate you letting me talk to you I appreciate it I'm going to try to disarm this man a little bit I'm like I appreciate it I'm going to be frank I'm going to be honest with you and I don't hold my tongue um and he goes you know that's fine and I was like I will attempt to hold it the best as possible to respect you as a person but I don't and he goes you know I appreciate that so on and so forth and he goes, so what's the deal? And for the next hour, I spill everything that I have against him, against the Garganies, against all that stuff. And I will tell you the story of the Gurganese now because that, that goes in that conversation. While I was in Indianapolis um, and working on security at that time, uh, I was pulled into Charles Gargany's office um, because I was told that I was being rebellious and that um, you know me wearing my tie loose when I was sitting at the desk in the middle of the fucking night at two o'clock in the morning was inappropriate and that I was a bad person and that I am a bad human being and that they don't understand why my parents would send me to Indianapolis and he doesn't understand why Bill Gothard would allow me to work in this facility and so on and so forth. And I spilled the whole thing to him. Um, I went through an hour and a half long beatdown, verbal beatdown by this man where i tried to talk to him and he told me that i was rebellious and that i was a bad person um i explained why i tried to explain why i did things and he said i should obey them no matter what and they have rules in place and i was like where's the rule that states that i have to have my tie tied all the time and i have to be in security guys keep in mind i'm in i'm supposed to be security wearing a full-on suit a um a you know, flashlight, um, a, uh, taser and a couple other things because we had to walk the facility, walk the perimeter of the facility outside and, and whatnot like that, you know, and, and this man is being absolutely asinine and ridiculous. Um, he then explains to me that, yes, he knows that the Garganese were ridiculous and so on and so forth, but you know, he trusted them, but at times they had indiscretions. Um, but that's as far as that went again, defending everything else. Um, and then I explained uh, what I had seen and the accusations that were against him, why I believed them, um, that I believed that what he taught was oppressive. I believed that what he taught was wrong, that it led to domestic violence. I believe that what he taught led to problems with relationships. At the time, I had been divorced twice. Um, I explained all of that. I explained that, um, you know, the, the red light, yellow light, green light system, which he claimed he knew nothing about. Um, I explained everything. I broke it all down to him. I broke it down how I was emotionally abused how I was mentally abused by staff members. I explained how alert was emotionally and mentally abusing. Um, that, you know, there's a certain level of that. Like, Hey, if you're going to the military, that's one thing, but you know, for people to be the way they were, was a totally different story. It was soon thereafter, um, that alert did change their, their, you know, the way they did things massively, it was way before that they offered, Hey, come back for no, no fee. But soon thereafter, they changed a lot of the way they did things. Um, I doubt he had anything to do with that because at that time he was no longer a part of IBLP in the capacity that he had established it in. He had, he had been forced to step down. Um, I asked him outright. I was like, did you touch any women in an appropriate way? Keep in mind guys at this point, The lawsuit had been dropped and he flat out told me, no, he flat out told me no, even though it was found within his own people that he was wrong. He said that he was wrong. It didn't, it wasn't sexual assault, but he probably did it in an appropriate way. I asked him if he did. And he said, no. So he's a pathological liar. And then he's, you know, Joshua, I just want to, I want to encourage you in your, your walk with Christ. I'm like, that is not what I'm here for. Motherfucker. And, and what I physically, what I told him, he goes, you know, you're a bright light. And I remember meeting you the first time and blah, 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 blah. And he's going on and on about, you know, my, his experience with me, obviously trying to smooth stuff over in a very narcissistic, manipulative, controlling way. Um, but tried to smooth things over. And I said, look, Bill, and I stopped him. I interrupted. Him. I was like, Bill, I'm going to interrupt you right now, man. I'm going to fucking interrupt you right now. And he, he just kind of like his eyes got big and he kind of leaned back. And I said, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to be frankly honest with you, Bill. I was like, nothing of what you're saying means anything to me whatsoever. And the reason it doesn't is because you have lied to me almost from the moment I walked in this door you have manipulated, you have controlled people. You have, you have taught people to do things that are abusive. He goes, well, I can't do anything. I was like, I'm not done. Don't interrupt me. You have taught people to do things that have caused damage to young people and you don't fucking care. And I, and I looked at him, I was like, now you can speak. And he goes, well, you know, I can't help what other people do. I was like, you, it was your teachings your fucking teachings. The only thing he confirmed to me in that conversation physically confirmed is his his um is speaking out about the Smyrna Baptist Church. Where that woman, if you remember way back in the beginning of this, that woman was all about me, you know, wearing a blue shirt and not a white shirt situation. And now he didn't condone it. He goes, "I'm not here to create a cult." I was like, "But that's the very thing you fucking did." You created a cult. You said that the only way to do things was by your teachings of biblical principles. And this is where he walked the fine line guides. He goes, no, it's biblical principles and my interpretation of them and how you should do life based on my interpretation. I was like, yeah, but you never said that. What you said is this is what the Bible says, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And you wrote it and you, you listed it out as, as, as written in stone, you put it down there as written in stone. Guys, there is so much to this organization, and I could literally go on for six hours on this podcast about it, but there is so much to this organization that's twisted and warped. The regulatory aspects of it, the controlling, narcissistic aspects of the leadership within this community, of the leadership within his organization, of him. And then him stepping down and then still blindly supporting IBLP and acting as if it's his thing. And guys, I'm not shitting you. I swear to you on a stack of fucking Bibles. I go to leave and he goes, I want to give you something before you leave. It's the it's the book that I wrote most recently. Had nothing to do with our conversation, first of all. It's a book that I wrote most recently. And then there's stacks of them in this room, in this you know that side room when I first walked in, that left side room he goes in there and he writes a note in this in this thing. Thank you for the conversation, Joshua. I hope your life continues to be a light to others. Blah, 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 blah. And then hands me the book. Still, still trying to put his fucking indoctrination out there. I literally took the book, threw it in my car, got home, told my parents that he's he gave me the book. My mom was like, well, that was nice of him. I was like, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I tossed the book in the trash. I didn't even read one fucking ounce of it. Because all it is, is a repeat of his indoctrination over and over and over and over again. I called him out on his 18th century idea of courtship. And I was like, you do realize you live in the 21st century, right? You do realize that none of that works, right? You do realize that that whole, I am the father and I decide who you marry thing doesn't work. Who I fall in love with and who I care about, if it doesn't align with my parents, is the only way... Or a, is, is my my cue to disregard and toss away that relationship. It could be the very relationship that is the best thing for me. It could be the very relationship that is the one that I need. And the person that fits me the best. My soulmate. My person. But because my father does not agree with it. Or her father doesn't agree with it. I can't marry that person. Because I'm not up to their standards. it's pathetic. It's absolutely fucking pathetic. Think about this for a second, guys. I meet the person of, of my dreams. I meet Alyssa and my parents don't approve. She's not a murderer. She's not a drug addict. She's not an alcoholic. She's not destructive. She's none of those things, right? The things by conventional standards, she is none. Of those negative things. She's positive. She's everything that I need in my life. She balances me out. She does all those things. But if, if I go to her father and her father says, no, you're not right for her. Who are you? Who the fuck are you? You know, what if, what if Joe goes to Sue, Sue's father and says, I want to marry Sue. I want to court Sue. We're going to use their terminology. I want to court Sue. And he goes, well, you're not right for it father's emotionally disconnected. He's not, he's, he doesn't have the best interests of his child at heart. Maybe he's a controlling psychopath that Bill Gothard has allowed because, you know, you know, father figure in the household and he's the head of the house. And, you know, he's that he's a narcissistic, controlling, manipulative, you know, demeaning individual under the guises of, he is the leader of his house and you're supposed to follow him. And he tells me, a good guy, a nice guy, or he tells Joe, the good guy, the nice guy, the, the great guy, that he can't be with his daughter because, you know, Joe's not good enough. And Sue misses out on marrying the man that's meant for her because he's not in the IBLP or ATI program because he doesn't meet up to this narcissistic, manipulative, controlling person's um, standards that they're not good enough guys. We saw that if you, if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go to watch 19 kids and counting or watch the, uh, the Bates show. I can't remember what the Bates show was, but you watch it and you see how they talk to them. It is so insincere. It's so superficial. It's so put on. It's so Hallmark movie esque that it's fake. Not a single thing about Jim Bob is real. Not a single thing about Michelle is real, except the belief in their own narcissistic, manipulative, controlling fucking bullshit. And I'm using them as an example, but they are a prime example of the people that blindly follow Bill Gothard or follow IBLP or ATI as law, as religious zealots. It's not real. Most of the stuff that they teach, I would challenge anyone to, to question it. To bring up uh, an, an alternative, wow, I can't even word right now, an alternative point of view to them and try to discuss it with them. They will demean your point of view. They will belittle your point of view and they will tell you it's not godly. That is their argument. It's like arguing with somebody over something political. And the only thing they can do is attack you as a person. You're ugly. You're stupid. Your hair is not right. The funny thing is, is some of their own children have strayed away from their parents control in such a strong way that it, their parents even are trying to, um, minimize it. The shows are trying to minimize it. You watch the kids, watch the kids, watch some of the older daughters. It's, it's ironic how they are kind of doing their own thing now. You know, they've got a couple of them that are a little bit out there, but it's ironic how they're doing their own thing now because they're realizing how ridiculous their parents were. And this is not to, meant to cause division in their own family. I doubt very seriously they'll even hear this fucking podcast. But it's ironic. If you watch most of the family, and I've got many friends that I used to have that I used to call friends that aren't friends anymore, or I don't talk to them. You know, we know each other, but I don't talk to them the way I used to cause I moved and we've, we've lost touch. But so many of the children, I would say uh, a good probably 60 to 70% of the children have swung back to the middle. Maybe they're still ultra conservative, but they're not cult. Conservative and how they've stepped away from their parents' control and their and the control of ATI and IBLP and the teachings of it and have gone, you know what? This was out there. This was too strong. This is ridiculous. The sad part is, y'all, the sad part is, it's still to this day. Like I said before, speaking out against this organization, speaking out against Bill Gothard, speaking out against the ridiculously overbearing religious zealot hypocrisy of their teachings is still viewed as an attack on them versus this is what I've found. And, and that's the, that's the really, really, really sad part. Yeah. It, yeah, I'm attacking your teachings, but I'm not attacking them maliciously. I'm attacking them saying, this is where you're wrong. This is not right. And I would venture to say that a very large majority of this country, if they were allowed, to take more than just a peek into the IBLP ATIA ATII organization and see what damage has been done. A very large majority of this country would go, what the fuck? This is a cult and feel sorry for, and listen to the students and the families that have been obliterated by this organization. Are there successes? Yes. Like with many other organizations, there are successes. You know, there's people that have been married for long periods of time within the organization because they found somebody of a like mind in the organization and they just hit it off and it's great. But I'd also challenge that relationship and not in a negative way, but just challenge them to find out how deep their relationship actually is. And we go back to Josh Duggar. We make a full circle back to Josh Duggar and Anna Duggar, his wife. My guess is that um, Anna Duggar somehow stays with him. She doesn't divorce him because that puts a bad mark on him. Even though he is obviously a threat to their own children, she doesn't divorce him. Do I hope she does? Yeah, I do. I hope she does. I hope this man is ostracized, left alone by his own family and everything like that. Because what he's done is absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, and it, I, I still think though that she doesn't do anything about it. I think that she very quietly slips into the shadows, doesn't divorce him. I know she's going to be asked about it. I know she's going to be hounded about it. I know that, um, probably more than likely a member of their legal team speaks up and says, um, you know, she's not going to talk and they make an official statement and that's all that's done. And she tries to slip into the shadows And because they're not on TV anymore, she probably will. Um, Jim Bob Duggar is not going to get elected. I'm going to go with it. He's not going to get elected. Um, He is running for office, but he will not get elected because of what's going on. Um, And to be frankly honest, I would never want that man elected into office. That guy is... Can you imagine those philosophies and those teachings coming out in his legislative mindset? Um, Absolutely destructive. Uh, this is, this is up there with handmaid's tale kind of shit guys. Um, but because of the family and because of what they believe and, and everything like that, and you know, they're entitled to their own beliefs. They, they are, everybody's entitled to their own beliefs. I'm not saying that they're, that they're not. Um, but because of that, you're not going to see a divorce. I, that's my guess. Um, I, I bet money that you don't see a divorce. Uh, you know, I would, I would assume that if it is, it is done so quietly, that nobody even knows. Um, but I do not see a divorce. Um, I don't see her coming out and outright, um, denouncing Josh. Uh, I see her and the family denouncing his actions, but not him. Um, you know, because that's the thought process. And yeah, it's, it's not about, it's not about the person. It's about what they did. I get that, but I don't see, I don't see them coming out strong against him. Um, I mean, I, they're going to have to say something. They are going to have to say something. But again, guys, the ideas and the teachings, all the way to the very, very tip top of what IBLP and ATI was started by, um, and the individual that started Bill Gothard, um, you're not going to see. You're not going to see it. You're, you're just not. Um, that's my opinion. That's how I believe. Um, that's what I feel. So, having said all that, this podcast has gone on. For almost two hours and 45 minutes. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, If you guys have questions about the organization and whatnot, and you want me to continue on with this podcast uh, topic, definitely hit me up on Instagram at timeoutwithjosh. Let me know if you want to hear more. And I will definitely tell you guys more. Again, we're always looking for sponsors and guests. So let me know if you want to sponsor the show, keep us on the air or guests that you may want uh, to be on the show. Shoot me a message on Instagram at Josh. I appreciate you guys being here again. This has been the Time Out With Josh podcast, and I am really honored that you listened. Thanks, guys. <laughs>